Hey, uh, this is RPR from Kipchel in Athens, and you listen to Music A to Z. Hello and welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I am Steve Ferguson. And I am Douglas Ferguson. Along last, Doug, we've gone into the studio. It has been a hot minute. Uh, I mean, it's been a minute since we recorded anything. Uh, just because, uh, what was the stars last time? It was stars, yeah. And uh, and I imagined it like, oh yeah, by late February, we're going to definitely <laughs> record. Um, but uh, uh, We've never actually recorded an episode of this podcast in the studio. Have we Ironically, not? yeah. It was, uh, what, the comics one? It, yeah, it was, uh, oh, the Epic Marvel movie podcast we've recorded in here. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, I, I could have almost swore we did some music A to Z. It, but, it yeah. just it never aligned. And uh, and then when COVID hit, then the opportunities basically dried no, then, up. Yeah, then it was it. Yeah, very frustrating. But yes, we've had a lot going on, which is why it has taken us <sighs> forever to you, record again. You moved? I moved. That was a huge yeah. obstacle because I was ready to go a month ago. Yeah, I was I was all set a month ago, but then yeah, um, uh, I don't want to bore anyone, but the Vancouver real estate situation is tough. It's it's, uh, uh, it's, it's yeah, tough. yeah, it's notoriously tough. And uh, um, and uh, we had to move, and yeah. and uh, my legs were eaten by sharks. Doug's legs were eaten <laughs> by sharks. Well, it Doug, was you You've been busy. You've been busy. I have been busy. Yeah, yeah you've got um, all that. You've got all that content. It's been sl- it's been a little slower. It's been a, I've been in a bit of a, a bit of a slum, but uh, but yeah, I got I got Beast Machines Monday, the first episode edited, ready to post for this upcoming Monday. Which uh, I don't know what that will if that will be a Monday that has already happened by the time this is aired. I don't know what your editing schedule is like, but I don't know. But don't know. check out YouTube, Beast Machines Monday or Beast Wars Wednesday. And <laughs> if you if if either of those shows ring a bell at all to you people are like what are you talking about (laughs) why are you making animals fight (laughs) uh because they're robots (laughs) come on yeah it's just it's felt like ages and uh i've also been working on the radio show prog rock alley and we're coming up to our 100th episode 100th episode yeah and to to celebrate although it might be done by the time this airs um i'm doing another live stream it's it's and it coincides with the spring fundraiser and the live stream, I will be making the hundredth episode. Yeah, it's it's, it's been pretty exciting. Um, and actually, our next episode next Tuesday, a week from now, is episode ninety nine. Doug's shoegaze, his shoegaze episode. I saw that you were confounded by Imperial Triumphant. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Doug did a uh, a heavier prog metal playlist, and one of the bands he, pl- he selected was Imperial Triumphant, who is a black metal jazz fusion mm-hmm. band. Uh, and Jessica said, "Oh, it just sounds like they're taking turns sometimes." jazz sometimes black metal and i said oh but you got to listen to it because that's that's where the genius of it lies and it is abrasive don't get me wrong oh, yeah. but they weave but near the end that trumpet is just is coming through and it's not it's not like blasting horns it's it's jazz trumpet that is we woven in there i think it's i i i admired it more than enjoyed it yes, <laughs> yes because yeah. it takes an outrageous amount of skill to do something that insane um but uh but i i mean that was actually some of the case for a few of those songs where they weren't songs i owned i just kind of like wanted to to piece together uh just like something that was a little harder and and and, and some of the songs i really enjoyed but other ones i was i was i was like i don't know if i like this but i think this belongs here anyway 
I, so, and this is the thing to, that I constantly have to remind myself is that I'm not, uh, unlike some other projects, I'm not making the radio show for myself. Yeah. So there's episodes I won't necessarily listen back to because I didn't really dig them. Uh, but if I'm going to be faithful to the concept of the episode, I have to do things like play prog metal occasionally, you know? And, uh, well, yeah. And, 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 and stuff prog metal is such a big part of prog metal. It is. So. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot of experimental stuff. There's some I love, but there's some that, you know, I find kind of unpleasant. But the fact of the matter is it's experimental stuff that's not getting a lot of radio play and it isn't lazy it is very well crafted stuff and so it it, it's, mm-hmm. it deserves a spot on the show and it has an audience yeah. and the idea is to find that audience and bring them to us and say look we're doing something different on the radio yeah yeah. people are saying radio what's that anyway <laughs> <laughs> they're like what's that some kind of some kind of podcast <laughs> <laughs> let's get into music news Doug, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Will Butler, after 18 years, has left Arcade Fire. I can't even believe Arcade Fire has been around for 18 years. But then I th- and then I look at the math, I'm like, no, they've been around for 18 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his tweet was very straightforward. It says, hi, friends. I've left Arcade Fire. <laughs> <laughs> now, which member was he again? He was, uh, okay, so Wynn Butler is the front man, the, uh, the avant-garde singer. Yeah. And uh, Will is uh, the guitarist. Well, I guess it, I mean, it's not even, not even a fair question because they kind of switch oh, that's instruments true. like all the time. So. But, but Wynn is the front man and yeah. Will is one of the supporting. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's uh, interesting. A lineup change uh, for the first time that I'm aware of in the, in the band, so... They have new new uh, new material out. I haven't heard. They it do, yet. yeah. Actually, to be honest, I found it to be kind of a step more towards the indie sound that they had before, uh, and less less the new wave that they've been well, dabbling that's, that's in. That's kind of nice because I wasn't super keen on their most recent album before that. Everything is. Uh, I like the single. I don't know. I guess with every album, I've kind of been feeling my my enthusiasm for Arcade Fire kind of dim a bit. But I'm still always. I still want to hear what they have to say next because every album is different. So. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, maybe you know, with with any with any band that does something different every album, I at least want to see what they have in store for me next, because you never know when the next one you're going to like is. Uh, I, and I understand that too, because when Arcade Fire came out, they were very fresh and very different. Whereas mm-hmm. I wouldn't make that argument now. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of bands out there who sound very much like them. Yeah. So I mean, you know, like it's this problem when you're a trendsetter. <laughs> so, yeah. but they didn't stick to the trend. They 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 yeah. kind of changed things up too, and and it's fine. I mean, again, I, you know, you're right. I I also don't want to speak disparagingly of their music. It's 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 fairly good stuff, and I have enjoyed the new wave stuff. It just it was when they first came out with that first album, it was so different. It was there was nothing else like. I them. still don't even know if there is anything else quite like that 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 really compares like 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 a funeral was just it was just so unique yeah i guess we'll see uh second item here this is this one i just i have to include it because it's so bizarre Mm -hmm. like it's it's just it's so bizarre how bizarre how How bizarre bizarre. uh i still listen to that episode occasionally the uh our our omc episode yeah our omc episode because uh it's so interesting oh it's for omc folks but uh the toronto maple leaves are a national hockey team Mm -hmm. teamed up with Justin Bieber for G- Jersey Designs. Here is the screen cap I took of it, Doug. Mm. And as bizarre a story as it is, and of course my initial question was, why? It did make me kind of want to step back to sort of a broader kind of question. Okay. What do you think about this kind of, I don't want to say, uh, artist sponsorship collaboration with a sports team? Is this something you've heard of before where a musical artist will design something graphically for a sports team 
Mm, I can't think of anything like this, to be honest. I mean, Justin Bieber also recently did a cross promotion with Tim Hortons. Yes, for the Tim Biebs, which were... Uh, I, don't know. I, Tim, didn't, I don't think I had any of yeah, myself. You know, they're so. on, honest to God, they're just like every other Tim Horn. Uh, Tim, oh, sorry, Timbit, I should say. Um, you know, donut holes for you uh, folks who aren't acquainted with Timbits. They're just donut holes. It's it's kind of sugary and strangely plain. You know, it's not great. Well, I mean, you know, it, it depends on the... Because there's a few good Timbits. There are a few no, good Timbits. I don't Timbits, just bad-mouthing not, every Timbit like they're all the same. They're... <laughs> Okay, birthday cake. There's good cake. as donuts. There's good as the Tim Hortons donuts. Oh, of course. That's, yeah. I, sorry. Yes. To be clear, this is all. There's a sliding scale. <laughs> um, there's these aren't premium donuts. Yeah. No, they're the most plain Jane donuts, but also like at the same time they're still donuts, so they're good. And they're cheap. They're, they're and cheap. they're damn cheap. They're cheap, and if you're in need of a sugar high, um, but I there's, just found it. Oh, a, okay. Just, you know, sorry. This has nothing to do with me. I, I was just gonna say there's a donut place that opened like really close to home and. I'm trying desperately not to go there. <laughs> it's like a new donut place. And, Sounds exciting. Well, yeah. The good news is right now there's a 40-minute line apparently daily. So it's, it's discouraging me from going, which is great yeah. because I'm trying to cut down on my sugar. Cause... Voodoo Donuts in downtown Portland uh, has a similar situation. I've uh, been. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been, I, yeah. I went and it was the hottest day of the year, coincidentally, and we walked there. And it was pleasant enough. But by the time I got there, I was so thirsty that the idea of having like a a sticky sweet mm. donut just mm. wasn't appealing yeah. yeah but um but music artists and jerseys so uh, yeah, <laughs> bas- yeah basically it was just i just found it so i found it so unusual and so bizarre it just seems strange for this to be a collaboration because it doesn't have anything to do with his music it has everything to do with image at, the, at that point well, it's all about uh i just I, I think the idea is to try and bring in the younger generation into interest into other things like hockey. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, like Justin Bieber is not exactly like the hippest new thing. <laughs> He's like the biggest artist of 2013. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, I mean, again, like my weird distorted sense of time now that I'm getting older is like, that's, that doesn't seem like that long ago, but then I'm like, no, that's nine years ago. Yeah. So it's not like he's the biggest pop star in music right now anymore. Right. And yeah, you know, he had his time and he's still, I'm sure he's still, I'm sure he's still fine. Yes. It just seems like a weird way to, way to bring the, in the younger crowd. Uh, if I had to guess, that was at least... Or maybe, you know, maybe just Justin Bieber has, uh, you know, he's just appealing to the right people. Okay, now we have one item of feedback. Oh. And this is in relation to our Stars episode, the last episode we played. Mm-hmm. And this was on the Facebook page. Uh, Mr. Doug, if you want to read her out. From Holly, she says, great episode. Thanks, Holly. That Thanks. means a lot. Thanks. And their new album is dropping in the spring. From what sounds <laughs> you two like, I think you'll really dig it. Thanks, Holly. I hope so. I'm always up for li- liking an album. It, uh, that's that's much preferable to listening to an album going like, well, this sucks. You know, I I, uh, I often feel like with our Stars episode, I think I think... I may have cast more of a negative light on their latest album than I meant to. I think I just needed more time to kind of sit on some of those tracks. There's a few more. Uh, there's a few more good songs on there than I think we gave it credit for. Um, it's still not like my favorite of theirs, but there's a f- there's definitely a few tracks that I I, I actually re- continued wanting to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Your opinion is is a lot to change a little bit, and you know we were also going based off the stars catalog as a whole. Thanks for thanks for your feedback, Holly. So the name of the album 
Uh, it's actually due out still, uh, oh, actually only a couple more weeks. May the 17th, it's called From Capleton Hill. I had been hearing one of the singles on the radio, on CBC Radio. Oh, nice. Um, a little bit. Looks like they've released a good number of the songs just on YouTube already. Anyways, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Me too. Yes. It's, it's like almost like, oh, dang, the, t- the timing. It would have been cool to be able to review the new album, but then... I mean, you know, we're not that far off in terms of timing. Oh, yeah, but I just but we already recorded the episode is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So like it's just too late. Yeah, we have a hell of an episode to cover. Uh, at first, I was a little daunted by this one because I thought the discography was going to be a little intimidating, but it wasn't actually nearly as large as I thought it would be, especially given the status um, and the musically historical status, one might say, of the band. But I mean, I it's it's probably one of the one of the biggest acts that we have covered, all things considered. There's only a handful I think that we've covered that are bigger, like Led Zeppelin. Queen. Yeah, Led Zeppelin, Queen. U2. Arguably U2, yeah. Yeah, I could see U2 and Tears of Fears kind of more or less being that. <gasps> oh, no. What? Oh, no. What? Did I give it up? You did, Doug. You got okay. To give it up. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I um, <laughs> I, um, it's been so long, I've almost forgotten the format of the show. That's quite okay, Doug. Who um, are we covering today? Oh, we're, we're covering um, Tears for Fears. Uh, let's let's talk about first how we came across Tears for Fears. Shout. I think right now right. I, uh, the mic's right by my. It no. won't be good. For no, 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 no. I mean uh, the, oh, okay. the single. Oh, the single I shout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have very early memories of so much so that they're not firm memories. They're just kind of there. I've, right. I've been aware of the song for ages. And then as I grew a little older, everyone wants to rule the world. I think was the only other one as a kid I was aware of. I was pretty aware of both those songs as far back as I can remember, yeah. just because they they played they played on the radio. Oh yeah, and they just stayed on the radio. Yeah, they just never really left. I still hear them occasionally. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's totally. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a that's a good good sign. You got a good hit when it just like stays playing on the radio for like decades. Like, yeah. <laughs> like like that's that's lasting power. Yeah, legitimately. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go back in time. Well, wait, hold on. Back in time. How far back in time are we going? Doug, I think we're going back to the 80s. Oh, okay. I was worried we'd go like all the way to the dawn of creation. No, no, no. Yeah, we're going to the early 80s. So, Oh, wait. Should I do six degrees? 
I think that's what you should be doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there we go. Yeah. This is called The Six Degrees from King Crimson. So I, I had this theory that uh, basically any musical act from the uh, 70s or 80s, maybe even the 60s, uh, the concept being that any any musical act from that era could, uh, within six degrees of separation, be linked to King Crimson because the the musicians from King Crimson are so prolific in what they contribute to. I think we've only had one exception. It was you jerk. It was you jerk. Yeah. We thought there was one. But there was not. But we were tricked. No, no, yeah. we, we we threw some uh, false information uh, on the on the interwebs. So. But we cleared it up the next episode. Yes, I think in the edited episode you got rid of it at all, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is for the best, I think. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, the six degrees from King Crimson wound up not being too difficult. Oh. So the drummer Manny El- Elias, mm-hmm. um, and actually <laughs> producer Chris Hughes and producer Ross Collum. They both have. They all have worked with Peter Gabriel. <laughs> yes, yeah. and Peter Gabriel um, is 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 actually fairly intricately linked with King Crimson. There's a, well, there's a whole historical aspect to it. But if you just want the bare basics of it, he's worked with Robert Fripp, the guitarist, uh, and also nucleus, as it were, of King Crimson, as well as Tony Levin, uh, who is a bass player who has been off and off Crimson for uh, quite a while. So, yeah, so they wound up being not not too difficult actually. Um, uh, now, just as another step, Doug, I noted that in their album Seeds of Love, Phil Collins does the drums on Woman. Oh, does he? Yes, he does. So the Phil Collins, who, uh, I mean, most people know as uh, Mr. Um, but uh, has is, he was a drummer on Robert Fripp's Exposure album in 1979, I believe. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of... Um, a lot of links. Uh, you said you found one that was even more direct. Mel Collins yeah. worked on one of... Uh, Mel Collins, who was, played the saxophone for King Crimson uh, on uh, yeah, he's on the, Island. He's on the first two albums. He's on the first two albums of, of Tears for Fears. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, cool. So, there you go. So, the link is actually quite direct. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go anywhere near six degrees. Yeah. So, there you go, everybody. Mel Collins is still part of King Crimson? King Crimson has gone back into hibernation. Oh, I thought they were still touring. They've just finished very oh, recently. Okay. Um, and it's this is something that we could discuss in another in another episode. It looks as if they might be have re- they might be wrapping up Crimson as a whole. Like yeah, it's, sure. It's, 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 it's well, no, I know, I know. <laughs> that's the thing. Is but well, yeah. Again, this is this is, this is a talk for another day. So yeah, um, yeah the, but I think I there's there is a possibility King Crimson is done. But also, also the possibility that it's not. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Let's go to the United Kingdom, to the town of Bath. Why is it called Bath, Doug? It is extraordinarily clean. I cannot speak to that. I that is possible. Just having a guess. Uh, because it was the site of uh, a Roman bathhouse. Oh, okay. So it is quite literally Bath. And so it's, it's, it's Bath <laughs> because it was a bath. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Today, today I learned something. Let's uh, let's talk a bit about graduates. 
Uh, Graduate was a band that ran from 78 to 81 and contained Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith. So, Roland uh, Orzabal and Kurt Smith, when they first met each other, uh, Roland thought that Kurt Smith was Indian. Because apparently he had a darker complexion. Okay. Allegedly. And hmm. Kurt thought Roland was Spanish, which uh, he is part Spanish. So they both took one look at each other, both these working class blue collar Brits, and thought, the best foreigner. The best foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, you've listened to Graduate, and I've listened to Graduate, and, uh, and they're yes, stupid, they- stupid. They have the one album, yeah. But it, and it could be. I think the one on Spotify is an album and an EP smushed because it's quite so. it's quite long. Yeah, uh, and they're stupid, stupid haircuts. I don't. Know if oh, I did. I, no, I, I miss the haircuts. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it was the '80s, so I mean, most haircuts were stupid. Yeah, but it's not. You know, mullets are coming back. I've been seeing more mullets around. Oh, don't say that. I don't. I, it makes me. Oh, oh, I'm just. I'm just like, look, guys, we worked very hard to get rid of the mullet. For shame. For shame. Um, I, gotta, I gotta show you this nonsense though. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, like it's it's like it's almost like Beatles, uh, and almost okay. like punk. Okay. You know, honestly though, given what you were saying, I was expecting worse. Given given okay. the the era, like it could have gone way worse. Roland's that. hair looks like it's eat, eating his head. Well, maybe it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Fair enough. You know. Um, uh, how did you feel about Graduate? You know, I liked it, um, but uh, well, as I, 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 but I can kind of see why Graduate didn't take off and Tears for Fears did. Um, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, because uh, Graduate did sound quite a bit like a lot of other things around that era. Yeah, like it, it, it perfectly fit that aesthetic, that kind of um, Devo and uh, um, the, the early, you know, like. Uncontrollable urge. It kind of reminds me of that kind of thing. Like it's just, it just kind of fit right into that. Uh, I feel like there's better comparisons I could be making, but suddenly like, like, oh, I just can't think of any '80s band. All of a sudden. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, some XTC. XTC came to mind. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very much in line with that. Yeah. And and I do have to admit that that I mean, this probably wasn't the case at the time because if that is the album, the EP for the Spotify release, uh, like it does get a little tiring by the end of it. But yeah. I think it starts off pretty strong for sure. Um, but you know, there's there's not like it's anything uh, that's too surprising. You know, it's very much, it's very much what it is. I like it. Listen to it. I like it. But I can see why, like, why at the time I don't feel like I would keep up with that band if they continued the way that they were. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just because it's like, oh well, you know, it's great. It sounds like, but it sounds like a lot of other things. Yeah. I can I can see why why it was it was an act that faded. You know, it sounds like they did okay. Or, and you know, I guess I guess they have the benefit of being having that little a- aspect of a legacy because Tears for Fears came from it. Yeah. But I gotta say, like, if you're if you go listening to try to find aspects of Tears for Fears in it, you, I don't think you're gonna find. No, it. I didn't hear it. I, 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 it's very it's very different from what um, what Tears for Fears would want to be. The two also joined this band called Neon, uh, which had uh, included Pete Byrne and Rob Fisher. Uh, from Naked Eyes, okay, um, which also you know uh, continue had had some success in the synth pop. 
uh, they, they, that was uh, always something there to remind me, right? That's always something there to remind me. Yeah. 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 Uh, so at the very success. least, they have that hit that people remember. Yeah, and, and you know, truthfully, there's probably there's probably some more, but you know, uh, I'm sure they have other good songs. But I just, I just, I haven't taken the time to listen to Naked Eyes. Yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day, mm-hmm. we will see. Uh, but it wasn't really working out for them. So Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal decided that they were going to kind of go out and start their own thing. Finding a name for their band was uh, a little tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the ones they had kicking around was uh, Ideas as Opiates was right. one of their band. It didn't it didn't hold long, though, and they wound up changing it to uh, Tears for Fears based off of um, the Tears for Fears um a primal scream movement of, of therapy that was right. gaining a lot of traction because John Lennon was actually really into it. Uh, I'm glad they moved. What, what was it? Ideas for op- ideas as opiates. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad they moved away from that because you definitely want something that people can say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, especially this stage, we want to say opioids, but it's opiates. Um, yeah, so, not the same thing. Uh, no, you want to be you want to be a band that people will not just like stumble over the name of. Yeah. To say it, yeah. So. so if you think Tears for Fears, that sounds like uh that's that sounds like some new age therapy stuff. Well, it it was. Yeah. It, it was. That's <laughs> the short answer. Which is fine. They yeah. started they started releasing singles fairly early on. Uh they were joined by Manny Elias and as we discussed, the percussionist and Ian Stanley on keyboards. And songwriting duties on the whole were split very evenly in these first first few years. They released a, a single Suffer the Children. Which, uh, if you look it up, actually, to be honest, I like the original cut of Suffer the Children, the, f- the first single of it. It's very raw. And, um, oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I, that's not the album version? No. No, the, well, orig- the original, uh, the first two singles are also on the album, but the single version and the album versions are very different. Hmm. Okay. Uh, do, actually, maybe I have heard it because I, I did uh, buy off iTunes the, uh, a few of the bonus tracks. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's in the mix. Uh, and if not, then I, I'm sure I can easily source it somewhere. Clean it. So there's, yeah, there's no surprise um, that uh, you can probably tell um, some of their influences big time. Depeche Mode. They were really into Depeche Mode, and they were really into um, uh, Talking Heads, and believe it or not, Gary Newman as well. Um, I believe that. Yeah. And you can you can hear. Um, especially these early couple singles, way more reliance on synth. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different than the album version. Worth knowing as well, the the part where the kids are singing at the end, those aren't actually kids. Uh, that's uh, that's Caroline Orzabal, who uh, wanted to be Roland Orzabal's uh, wife. Uh, she's she is uh, singing as children. The la 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 la. Hmm, okay. La 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 la. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This single did nothing. So <laughs> a little while later, yeah. uh, they released uh, their second single, "Pale Shelter," uh, which I actually I also like more than the album version. It's just it's so much more raw. I will say though, that being said, the guitar portion is toned down, and it's again more synth. There's, you know, that Depeche Mode sound where it's, it almost sounds like a chorus of people singing in the background. There's her little, oh, uh, Kraftwerk did a bit of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more of that. There's more of that. They were still <clears throat> trying to find their identity, but uh, Pale, Pale Shelter sounds really, really good. That one also did nothing. Did not oh, chart. okay. I did not chart. Yeah. Uh, uh, did it chart, like, later? 
because I, I, I mean, I mean, I say because um, a lot of, I mean, suffer the children I hadn't heard before, but Pale Shelter I had because I had a, a greatest hits collection. Yes, uh, and it was on there. Looks like yes, they did re-release it. Okay, so maybe a lot of maybe that uh, maybe that one had a little more success. Yeah, after um, something else took off. Yeah, the, no, no, that's right. The eighty-two was the first one. Then they re-released it in eighty-three once the album came out. <clears throat> right. And there's a reason for that. There was also a Canadian-specific uh, edition of Pale Shelter, which is da- dancier. It's not like full-on dance, but mm-hmm. it's still. Um, it's still very it's it's a lot catchier, you know, and a lot uh, kind of a little popular. So as as in like I guess like the Canadian market really needed dance at the time. Uh yeah, I guess sure oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Already by this point as well, I think Tears for Fears were trying to kind of present themselves as I don't know a little little more mature. You know what I mean? Almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to use the word pretentious because that's not fair. Uh, but almost like uh, almost sophisticated or in a way. Uh, suffer the children, you know, pale shelter using the older version of the mm. word pale where, you know, it pales <clears throat> in comparison. The shelter is a pale shelter. Almost as if they were going for like highbrow concepts in their music. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's nothing like uh, we will rock you. It's <laughs> suffer the children. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. Well, not everyone can get away with we will rock you. <laughs> um, Queen just had a, sp- a special touch. <laughs> and then their third single, Mad World, came out. Yeah. And that single was a smash. It was huge. Hmm. It was huge, and it propelled uh, the album The Hurting, which was off of uh, Up Into the Stratosphere. became <clears throat> a very, very successful album. So let's talk about The Hurting, released in March 1983. The cover is a is very stark white, and it has a, a boy in the bottom right corner, and he is sitting on the ground his head in his hands very upset did he has he been beaten by an abusive parent did he fall and skin his knees or did was he not allowed a second oreo with kids that age it is hard to tell it's all it's all the end of the world as far as they're concerned uh produced by chris hughes as we mentioned uh who's primarily um who at the time was best known as uh the drummer for adam and the ants Hmm. Uh, and then, as we again, as we mentioned before, Ross Colum, who besides working with Peter Gabriel, also worked with Human League, Wang Chun, and Paul McCartney. Oh, I also have uh, also of note uh, Enya and Roxy music as well. Oh yes. yes. Hey, well, okay, Roxy music. There C- you go. Chris Hughes, uh, yeah, Paul McCartney, Robert Plant, Wang Chun. She said, yeah, yeah. So I, I think those two work together mostly. Yeah, like they're they're, they're a pair, which is good. I don't know if they got a good thing going, you know. Uh, you will notice as well the uh, the song the title I should say uh, ideas associates yeah is not one of the songs yeah you know, why not and it works as a song title yeah yeah that's totally fine what are your thoughts Doug on uh, the hurting the I don't like the um, the uh, North American released cover I think it's lazy oh that's the one where the band's standing by the yeah. lake and I know that yeah. my understanding is that they didn't really like it either they just felt like the record label said that they had to and then they're like they're like this is not a picture of you and then and then they're like okay well I guess do one with a picture of us it doesn't make the same impact no uh, it doesn't make the same it doesn't impact. reflect the album it's just no. it just it's it's just a picture of the band and you know not that I, I'm like Ugh, look at those guys <laughs> 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 but you know just um, yeah just I just I guess I feel I'm a big advocate for uh, the vision, uh, uh, you know, the cover art being part of the vision of the album and and uh, and being true to that. But anyways, 
that doesn't that's nothing about the music although other, apart from the fact that it you know the music there is a there is a sadness to it that i think is reflected in the cover art the original og cover art it's definitely not as polished as future albums um but what makes up for it is is a moodiness to it and it's not like you know it's uh not like the super raw musical experience you know it's not like um I don't know, there's, there's other bands where it's just like, you know, it's a really raw sound. Yeah. Like, I guess around that time, U2 was a lot more raw sounding. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, this, the, is our, this is around where War came out. Yeah, so, so like... They that, that, pretty raw. Yeah, they were, but, it, but definitely, like, you know, compared to, you know, the future albums. Uh, but it sure had... Uh, it it held, held some emotions on the... Uh, on uh, on a sleeve, for sure. You know, it's... It's, um, it's aged mostly well, apart from some occasional moments of cheesy synthesizers. You know, like sometimes, sometimes the synthesizers just don't work so well. But, um, but you know, well, but a lot of it is pretty timeless sounding. So, especially again, because uh, compared to many albums of that era, where like you know, it's like, you know, you know, we mentioned Human League already, and again, yeah. I I love the Human League, but it's very very eighties. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is firmly rooted in the eighties. Yeah. 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 Um, where this, this is, I'd say is aged more fine than that. Pale Shelter and Change may be uh, some of my favorites in the bunch. Um, and although it does come with a bit of like more familiarity with it as well. Yeah. Um, because, uh, again, I, I got that, um, now out of print, uh, best of compilation. Was it the Tears Roll Down one or? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tears Roll Down, the best of Tears for First thing is called? Yeah, they've, which, had, they've had a lot. They've had a lot of. Yeah, I really like that one. Although it is compared to, so it is a little less complete than a few of the others. That, uh, but we'll get into that, I guess, later. Mm-hmm. But the the prisoner, man, ooh, that one's got uh, that one's got some balls. <laughs> I like it. It's very um, just so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, almost a bit much, but actually, but I, I, I do, I can't help but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and that's I think another one where I think I heard some earlier versions that were quite distinct from that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a demo version or something like that that's quite different. But I, oh, li- yeah. I do I do really like the album version. I think it's the most like kicking the balls one. And uh, suffer the children, man. Like that's a uh, that's like a birth control ad. Have you actually listened to the lyrics? Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, it's like, are you sure you want kids? Because <laughs> man. It, there's, there's so much work you're gonna, you're gonna they're just gonna you know take your life away <laughs> like <laughs> like oh man okay all in all you know it's, I think it's a great uh, solid debut yeah, yeah I, I think it's uh, I, I really it's an enjoyable album it, it's you know it's not their I wouldn't say it's the best but it's it's a solid debut I feel change is really accentuated by the music video have you seen it no it takes place in a city uh, this is one where Kurt Smith has got the the vocals and actually to be honest Kurt Smith incorrectly. Um, but understandably was uh, identified as the front man uh, mm. for the band at this point because he's saying on basically the singles. Um, but it takes place in a city and there's these um, there's these uh, dancers wearing like these kabuki masks uh, doing these uh, like stalking people and doing these very jagged dances and stuff like that. Leading into this thing, Roland Orzabal, he had this thing about doing strange dances at the time. Okay. I know you've seen the music video <clears throat> for Mad World, although it's probably been a while. But while Kurt Smith is singing, looking out a window and looking for Lauren and stuff, uh, Roland Orzabal is doing this this crazy arm shaking, wiggly dance. If you think of Bono in the eighties too, kind of, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, every now and then, because he didn't know what else to do, he's like, "Well, I guess I'll just do this little jig." Yeah, yeah, right. And, <laughs> and the same starts to deal with with change, where Orzabal is just like, "Yeah, I'm not doing much on screen, so I'm going to dance." And he's, uh, it's, 
it's not like he dances like uh, like John James of Newsboys <laughs> dancing. It's nothing like that. But it's very unique and it's 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 kind of spastic. And uh, but on the album itself, I actually I really really like this album. I think it's it's a fantastic fantastic listen from start to finish. Very unified in tone. Uh, some of the sounds, the fact that they went basically from graduate to this is is just like well, no wonder they left graduate. They had these these ideas that were just kind of like like mm-hmm. bubbling up. It's amazing the variation in sound that they go through. And for a debut album, sort of a debut as a band album. For it's it's Tears for Fears debut. To be it fair, is, like but that's, they, that's the creative, like that that the, the voice that creative voice that's yeah. the first album. But they had been through the process of recording and release and distribution and all that stuff yeah. before as, as people. So it's not like it's not like a fresh. These guys are from the garage thing. Um, but yeah, I I mean understand. Yeah, I I take your point though. But yeah, this is a fantastic release. I've got it on vinyl. Sounds great. Do I have this one on CD? I don't. I don't know if I have any Tears for Fears on CD except for that one best of. Hmm. But I've got a couple on vinyl. Uh, really good stuff. And then the question. And then of course, as we said before, then they uh, re-released uh, at the very least Pale Shelter. I don't know if they released uh, re released stuff for the children. Yes, they did. They but they re-released it way later. They re-released that in '85. Yeah, all in all, then they were they were off to they were off to a hell of a start, which uh, brings us forward in time to February from 1985. Songs from the Big Chair, <clears throat> the title being dera- derived from uh, the movie Sybil, uh, which is about a woman who has uh, well, they refer to it as multiple personality disorder, but the only place that she feels comfortable and able to to fully be herself is in this big chair. Wow. Um, yeah, and so kind of, kind of again, uh, fitting in with their theme of uh, of therapy and mm-hmm. of uh, of needs of security. This was also produced by Chris Hughes. It features only uh, Roland and Kurt on the cover, even though again, Manny Elias and Ian Stanley were still full members of the band. They were considered uh, bandmates for two. Well, actually, I, I think there's a an extended version of the picture, and I don't know because I. I'd have to look uh, if there was a gatefold version or something like that. But, but I think if you unfolded it, they, then you'd see the other two members like on the really? back or something. Really? Oh, because um, I've got this one on vinyl too. As do I, and and yeah. but I've I've seen I can't remember where I've seen the the other the other half of the band because at this point in time, the, for all intents and purposes, those other two guys were part of Tears for Fears. Yes, like they, they are listed. They, as, they were as full. they were band members. But as you hmm. see, it can be a little difficult to find. Yeah, tricky. Hmm. Uh, you know what? I think that's a bit of... Because uh, here's the back. Uh, where did uh. I see it then? I don't know. I've seen those other guys. I've, I've seen... I've seen there's, there's more to that picture. I've I'm telling seen you. it. I'm telling you there's more to that picture. Um, Fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, songs from the big chair. Once again, we have... Uh, as far as writers go, this album is pretty evenly split between... Actually, all the band members there. There's a lot, a lot more contribution from uh, from Ian Stanley in this album. The vocals are <laughs> split pretty evenly again between uh, Kurt Smith and, and Roland Orzabal. And this is this is kind of what I liked about their dynamic in that they kind of split these duties off. Uh, I will mention "Everybody Wants to Rule the World," which is one of the biggest damn songs in the world. Um, mm-hmm. They originally weren't going to include it because they thought the song was too fluffy. Which well, uh, yeah. can you, can you imagine that universe? Yeah, the universe where that ha- you know what what would probably happen? What's that? Is um, it would uh, be similar to the situation remember with the Smiths mm-hmm. with um uh oh 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 uh, 
How soon is now? How soon is now? How soon is now? Where that was like that was like a B side. It was, yeah. And it's one of their most well remembered songs. Yeah, it's a it's <laughs> like my favorite song by them. Yeah, it's a lot of people's favorite song by that. It's yeah. great. It's terrific. Like it's it's amazing. Yeah, and you know, it's, and it's been re released on like yeah, some and it's other, been and then it's been like, uh, re- retroactively put on put album. on other yeah. 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 But um, originally, yeah. But I feel like that might have happened with everybody wants to rule the world okay. if they didn't if they didn't release that like somebody would like find it on B side and be like, why isn't this playing on the radio? <laughs> Like yeah, uh, <laughs> some DJ was would be like, "This is ridiculous." <laughs> Speaking of strange B sides, mm-hmm. "Pale Shelter." One of the B sides was a song called "We Are Broken." Mm, Upon yes. listening to it, you might be like, "I've heard this song before." Did they use elements of this to become Head Over Heels? And the answer is sort of, because "We Are Broken" was then massively retooled into the song "Broken." which was included on this album, which has musical preludes into Head Over Heels. Yeah. As a bit of unity. Yeah, well, that's... Um, oh, sorry. Have we gotten into... Yeah, you asked me my opinion about it? Yeah. <laughs> Not yet, but you know what? Now this is good. I felt the, I felt the B-side talk. Yeah, yeah okay. Was, but yes, now that we're there. Yeah. Yes, how do you feel about Songs from the Big Chair? Well, uh, let's see. I'm wondering if I should bury the lead or just jump right into it. Don't um, do it. Uh, a huge improvement over the last album. Um... And I, in all honesty, in in all honesty, yeah, I think this is one of the must own albums from the eighties. Yeah, if I had to make a top ten, this is definitely like this could I could see this fitting in the top ten of like the decade. But then again, I haven't sat down and made that list. Like, I, and I, I'm I don't I'm not really looking forward to it if I ever have to. <laughs> that's, that's that's tough. <laughs> but honestly, like Songs of the Big Chair is quintessential '80s music because it, it's both it is both of its time and t- and timeless at the same time. Like you can um you can listen to these songs at any any, any time and they have the same impact. Although you can kind of hear that it is from the '80s. Yeah. So it's like it's not yeah. like it's. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. Like I love that. I love '80s music. You know, mm-hmm. every track works. Yeah. Every track is good, even um, beyond the mega hit. So like we, you know, we know, we know shout, we know everybody wants to rule the world. And then to a lesser extent, I think, I think actually with anything, if anything, um, it's gained traction over the years is head over heels. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, like I used to not hear it on the radio and now I do. Uh, I've, I've actually I heard most of these songs before I had the album yes, because yes. because most of them are on that best of compilation I do have like Mother's Talk and uh, what was the other one I believe they're both on there now as for well. your compilation mm-hmm. um, the Mother's Talk version that I have is the US mix which has more bass and is uh, just kind of structured a little differently do you have the album version on your best of or the US US uh, remix I didn't notice any difference. Between the album version and the one on my okay, so you probably have yeah. I've on mine. I've got the U.S. mix, which is a little right. different. Uh, Mother's talk is so brilliant. It's so good. I it's yeah. it's so like if you just like if you just listen to it and the, the bass work in there and and also just like when it gets like when you think the song's done, it's not done. No, and then and then it just keeps going and then you and I and I love like near the end when it's, when you start to hear the. Boom, boom, Bomb, like the, this pulsating like synthesizer sound or whatever it is that they're using it's a, it's just an amazing little outro like that song from start to finish like i i think mother's talk is just as good as um like everybody wants to rule the world like i i, I think it like i could listen to that song over and over again yeah um i believe is a slower track it's almost one that if i like i 
I used to want to skip, mm-hmm. but now that I know it so well, I I there's just parts of it that I just I just love too much. Like there's that little sax bit where it's like and I just I just like oh it just sounds so it just sounds so good <laughs> like like it, it it's it's a song that could have been boring mm-hmm. but they didn't they made enough choices to make it interesting yeah yeah it 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 threatened it it threatened to be boring but it they just they just knew how to bring the best out of their ideas in there it gives it kind of a lounge jazz feel you know very much so very much so but the centerpiece the centerpiece of the album in my humble opinion is the broken head over heels combo like I love Head Over Heels. I I listed it as one of my top ten favorite songs. When I made I made my once upon a time I made a a hundred my hundred favorite songs list, which I would now revise if I if I. Oh, of course, you even knew that you would. I revise knew it. I knew I would revise it, and I couldn't even think of songs that I would revise it with. But uh, Head Over Heels um, is I, I think it was in the top ten, if not the top twenty, of my favorites. And but now I just I can't even listen to it without broken starting it mm. and finishing it like mm-hmm. i just feel like that whole wave of of music it, it's it just complements each other so well it's it's i mean as a single it's great it's a it's a terrific single and again it's like it's only picked up steam over the years i feel um but in the context of the album it's even greater we really got into that song when it was on the donnie darko soundtrack which yeah is a phenomenal Phenomenal well, soundtrack. I mean, there's not, not the only uh, connection to Tears for Fears through that soundtrack. I That's mean, true. Richard Kelly must have liked Tears for Fears because yeah, um, the Gary Jules cover of Mad World is uh, is was also a humongous hit. You know, I should have mentioned this earlier, but there's been a couple occasions where I've been listening to it at work, and it's twice. It's happened to me twice now, where someone has said, "Oh, this is kind of a a weird cover of Mad World," and both times I said, "Ah, actually." This is the original. <laughs> this is the original. Oh, the, you mean the, the Tears for Fears? They said it was a weird cover? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. So, I, the Gary Jules one was very popular. It was, yeah, yeah super, got yeah. to be super famous. It was like a number one hit in uh, Australia and stuff like that. And, yeah. And it's a great, it's actually, it is, it is an ideal cover because yeah. I guess we're, we're just diverging. A little, we'll be just back to songs in the big chair, but, but it's, it's a perfect cover because it you know keeps the same melody and stuff from the song, but it's just the it, it just it creates it's he makes it his own. He makes it a, something with a completely different identity, but also stays true to the sentiment within the lyrics. Yes, you yeah. know, no, that that's that's it exactly because it's a different kind of mad world he's talking about. The Tears for Fears one was um, kind of manic. They even said that uh, the line uh, "The dreams in which I've done I'm dying are the best I've ever had." Uh, they said, uh, Orzabal said that when he wrote it, he, he meant it in that, like, when you wake up after a nightmare, the amount of relief you feel upon waking up. Oh man, that was just a dream. He says that there is, there's such a palpable, palpable emotion there. And so taking that to the logical extension is that you, you have this tremendously terrible dream where you're dying and then you wake up and then, you know, that emotion that comes after is like the very best. But then Gary Jules kind of switches it to be more like depression, where the person is is wanting uh, the release mm. of death. And that's uh, that's that's the brilliance of it. That's the brilliance of the cover. He's, he's not just you're right. He's not just singing the song. He's he's adding uh, the identity of it. Yeah. Just changes the context and, and makes it makes it his own. And that's all you can really again, like. There's, there are very few covers I think that are that are really like that that kind of revolutionary in in the sense. Yeah, um, there's the uh, the Johnny Cash um, Johnny Cash Nine Inch Nails cover. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, uh, hurt. I will make you hurt. Yeah, yeah so good. Uh, yeah, and the Nine Inch Nails song is pretty good too. Yeah. You know, but 
the yeah the, he, he yeah he just kind of a similar concept actually just stripping it down and changing the lyrical context a bit yeah yeah but back to songs from the big chair because Definitely. i got more to say yeah i'm, yeah. Not, I'm not done here <laughs> the album finishes off with listen mm-hmm. um which i love i think listen is amazing very cool synth work very very tribal sounding um you know like strong percussion but in such a like gentle way mm-hmm. you know the album is very exploratory uh it of- often breaks formula but it's accessible all throughout like the, it's it's not never abrasive even though let it, even though it's it, it tries new things all the time uh i think it's a masterpiece but what i like about it is it doesn't feel like they were trying to make a masterpiece no it feels very natural like well, it even said everybody wants to rule the world. They they weren't sold on including it on the album. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it just wound up being part of the tapestry. I mean, ironically, shout even though it was one of the biggest hits, it's yeah. one of my least favorite on the album. You know what? I felt that for the longest time because I always felt that the chorus was cheesy. But you know, the strength that song is are the verses and the and the bridge is really good. I think the chorus is the weakest part of the song. I mean, I like it. I like the song yeah. just fine, but just I just. But I just can't wait to hear what comes after that, you know. Of <clears throat> but um, so as far as like, I was thinking of albums that are masterpieces that aren't really trying to be. You know, uh, one one example is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Is that it, there's nothing about it that you you don't listen to it and go like you, like they were trying for something amazing, like like they were trying to make this amazing like, you know, one of the best selling albums of all time. They just kind of made something that came from them very naturally about their own struggles and 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 it just everything just came together perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I feel this is more like that. Unlike Pink Floyd's The Wall, yeah. where you feel I feel like Roger Waters was sitting there, you know, bleeding trying to make a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know, and no no fault to the wall. Yeah. It, it, I th- the I wall think, is amazing. Yeah, the wall is amazing. But but yeah. you you feel like they were they were really trying. Well, of course, <laughs> I mean I mean and with like. The contents and uh, the movie, yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I think that's the difference. Is like, there's, there's, uh, sometimes everything comes together perfectly, and sometimes you have to like work and, and like with blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I don't want to make it sound as if they weren't trying that hard. No, I just no, saying, but but I, I just saying like it, it comes across very natural. Mm-hmm. Where, um, yeah, and I, I, I just think it's just diff- different kinds of masterpieces, you know. Uh, con- possible controversial opinion. Uh, perhaps that was the problem with Rattle and Hum. Oh and yeah, that uh, that the parts where they were trying too hard are the parts that didn't quite work. Like the the the, the uh, I don't know seventy five minute lawn. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, just like, I mean, I love I love Rattle and Hum. Yeah. Uh, sorry, back for people who don't know that it is. I mean. If you're listening to music, it's like, yeah, gotta know it's a YouTube album, but mm-hmm. if you don't know, it's 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 the it's the less loved sequel to uh Joshua Tree. And they were really trying with that album. You could tell they were trying. They were for really sure. trying. And and I and there's some, there's moments on there that are absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think I think it gets lost a little under the weight of its ambition. That is that that is perfect. That is exactly <laughs> Exactly how I yeah. sum it up. Yeah, especially with the damn movie too. You know, it's just like this is going to be amazing. It's <laughs> like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, you know, they 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 fell a little too in love with what they were doing. Yeah, and uh, and you know, uh, and, but you know, the stumbles are kind of what makes bands interesting when they go on long journeys. So. Yes, I, I'll agree with that. Yeah, um, I think that's mostly 
what I got to say. Yeah, yeah, I rank, uh, truthfully, although I do believe that this is a phenomenal album, I actually rank this and The Hurting at about the same, okay. but for different reasons. Uh, the, hurt, the Hurting is more raw and emotional by like a smidge, whereas this is more produced and unified by a smidge. And as such, mm. the, the combination of these two albums together, I think, is phenomenal. I think oh, these yeah. are great albums together. Not that you necessarily should listen to them back to back. I, I can't necessarily speak as as to whether or not that would really work as a double album. No, no, no. I'm not saying I that. I I'm just saying as a pair of albums together, uh, they ha- Tears for Fears ha- has never been better than the the pair of albums. Mm. Um, but this is this is a phenomenal. Album. I've already I've already spoken about uh, about Shout. Um, it is, it's kind of a rare day when, when I say it's just like, eh, the chorus ain't much, but, uh, those verses kick serious ass. Yeah. But that honest to God is, is the truth. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's anything I can add without sounding redundant and just like, yeah, again, no weak tracks and fantastic production and they deserved every accolade. Uh, lots of little, little documentaries and interviews came out mm-hmm. around this point. Uh, and actually, is this where we mention uh, when they appeared on Good Rocking Tonight? It was in uh, the tour for this this album, was it not? Oh, is it the are you talking about the the one that I sent from that yeah. was recorded in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah, because Good Rocking Tonight was a uh, was a local a local show. Uh, yeah, that's right. They saw they they were talking. Uh, yeah, that 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 was this 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 tour because they were talking about how um, this stuff from uh, the hurting, you know, like emotionally they feel like they had moved on from it and they were just ready to promote the new stuff and and um, I don't know. It's kind of cool thinking of like. You know, song, at some point, Songs from the Big Chair was the new stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, quick uh, <laughs> quick little sidestep into Good Rockin' Tonight. That is nuts. Uh, Good Rockin' Tonight ran uh, 10 years uh, from 83 to 93. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I remember the second host, Stu Jeffries, because he, he was the host for the majority of the time. Uh, Terry David Mulligan ran it from 83 to 85, which is why I don't remember it, because I was baby. Yeah, because in, in that interview, he was saying he was... He, he, he was, was leaving. Um, yeah, he was basically saying that he was... Uh, he was he's like, ah, see you later, guys. Peace out. Yeah, uh, interestingly enough, he apparently went to join Much Music. Uh, so I, I remember Good Rock Tonight. It, it was just one of those shows that was occasionally on. Uh, but it, on the whole, it it didn't interest me. But I were because I was like, I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember like liking the the energy of it. And, you know, because it was really kind of an it was kind of an awesome show. It was upbeat. It was fun. I have zero memory of this show. At all. Yeah, it, there was a game show I used to watch called Bumper Stumpers, and Stu Jeffries. Um, yeah, it basically, basically it was a war, was sort of a you know what's the actual sentence. Made up of, of uh, you know, yeah, car license plate. Oh, okay. you know, so yeah, like right. lead speak, pre lead speak. Right. It's like what is it actually saying? Very kind of a silly game show, but Stu Jeffries was on it as a contestant at one point, and they were just like, ah, I knew we've been doing Good Rockin' Tonight for how long and whatever. And I think my dad, I think our dad was actually into Good Rockin' Tonight too, to be honest. That makes sense because yeah. he's he's always been a big music fan. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, quick sidestep. I'm gonna tell the uh, the story of how I met Terry David Mulligan. Oh, you met him? Oh, I met him. Oh, I met him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Terry David Mulligan. These days, I believe he's uh, on Roundhouse Radio. He still he primarily does uh, movie reviews these days. I was working at International Village, which is uh, a quick walk from where we are currently recording this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Cineplex International Village in Vancouver's Chinatown. Uh, that's just above the Cat Cafe, isn't it? It is. There's a little cafe <laughs> called the Cat Cafe. 
where you can get the world's best London fog. The world's best. World's uh, best London fog. I, I mean, I only ever proclaimed to be Vancouver. Vancouver's the best. But. Okay, you can get Vancouver's best London fog <laughs> and pet some kitties. Anyways, Doug, screenings, 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 screenings. Right. Oftentimes, in fact, I, actually, we attended a screening relatively recently. We uh, were studio representatives for a screening of um, All My Puny Sorrows mm-hmm. um, with Allison Pill. When you have these screenings, they're for movies that haven't quite opened up yet. And uh, on occasion, uh, you'll have, uh, especially for bigger films, you'll have media who are invited, local reviewers and stuff like that, so that they can kind of put review the movie for uh, the next publication for when the movie opens. So okay. when people are flicking through ye old newspaper or, or you know surfing blogs or whatever, they can say, oh, hey, Terry David Mulligan saw this new movie, and here's what he thought of it. Oh, maybe I'll go watch this movie. That's at least what the studio wants to happen. Yeah. So here's what happened. Then I, I don't even remember what the movie was because it was, honest to God, years ago. Right. I get a call at the podium, which is where they rip the tickets, saying that some rude guy with a big drink from 7-Eleven or something, like a, some big sugary drink, mm-hmm. pushed right past, didn't acknowledge the person on podium, and was headed down the hallway towards the cinemas. I was around there, and oh, I happened to, happened to see this 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 big lumbering fellow go on through, and I say, oh, oh uh, excuse me, sir. Um, sorry, do you have your ticket? He's like, I'm here for the screening. Okay, okay. Did you check in with the podium and so that? No, I want to go and get my seat. Okay, <laughs> okay, sir. You can't bring in outside food, food and drink. Are you serious? Yeah, you can't bring in outside food or drink. He's like, you gotta be joking. And then he stands there, takes a cup, drinks the whole thing right there in front of me, takes the cup, throws it at the floor. At the floor? Yeah. Happy now? I'm like, was that really necessary? He's like, yeah, I think it was. Storms into the theater. I'm just like, what the hell was that? I'm a a little aghast, and... I'm talking to the studio rep, a friend of mine named Mark, about this. And he's like, oh, well, the only media who's here is Mulligan. (laughs) I'm like, Mulligan? He's like, yeah, Terry David Mulligan. And I'm like, who's that? (laughs) I don't know who he is. (laughs) Right? right? I don't know who this guy is. He says, oh, yeah, he's at at Roundhouse Radio. Uh, And I'm like, oh, okay. Good for him. <laughs> and then, of course, I look him up, and I'm like, "Oh, holy cow! This guy, this guy has been like a music and movie critic for a long time. I mean, like decades. Apparently, a little too long. Well, yeah. And and so I was actually worried. I was thinking of like tuning into his like show, and like hearing uh, it's like, oh, and this is to the guy at the Cineplex, or you know, just <laughs> you get worried about stuff like that, right? Like this guy's gonna be blasting. <laughs> this one is for you, manager. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> May, may I never, may I never get to that point. You know, that I'm like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. look, look, dude, what am I really asking of you? I think you were in customer service too long to become that. I, I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, it was, it was just a very, it was a very, very surreal, surreal thing. So, and just, can, just to link back, was this yeah. the guy in the interview that we watched? Yeah. With Tears for Fears? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's Terry David Mulligan. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Tears for Fears, if you guys actually wind up listening to this, uh, you know, just in case you remember. (laughs) They're they're, they're, they're like, oh, geez, he seemed all right at the time. (laughs) Probably. I mean, (laughs) guy was an ass. Anyways. um, Wow. I got to say, I got to say. That's a, that's a lot. That's, you just you just don't expect grown ups to act like that. But then then you know sometimes you're surprised, or sometimes you should realize you shouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, well, you and I both, sir. We've uh, we've seen it. We feel like we've seen it all sometimes. Customer service. Whew. Yeah, that's true. All right, Doug. Let's go forward in time, four years to September of 1989 mm. with the long-awaited follow-up. By Tears for Fears. It's called The Seeds of Love with a very busy cover art. There's a lot going on on this cover art. It's a fair bit. Yeah, I definitely like it. Was a, it was a production, I think, to get those photos. Yeah. Now, at this point in time, did they lose uh, as as official members of the band, the drummer? and uh, Manny Elias and, is definitely gone. Yeah, I think they were. I think it's at this point it was just Smith and Orzabal. I believe so. I didn't make a note as to. No, Ian Stanley uh, is on about half of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Stanley's about on about half of it. Uh, Manny Elias is is completely gone, and as such, that's why we get again. For example, Phil Collins doing the drums on "Woman," uh, Chris Hughes doing the drums on uh, the big hit off this one, "Sowing the Seeds of Love." That's actually pretty cool that they got Phil Collins. Oh yeah, because like for the third album, I mean, I know, I mean, I know that at this point they were big. They were big. Yeah, but uh, you know, Phil Collins is a legend, right? Especially legitimately. For, yeah. So it's like it just just to, for him to come in and do session work. Yeah, it's like that's cool. During the tour for Songs from the Big Chair, Orzabel and uh, Smith went into a club, and there they saw, singing, a woman by the name of Alita Adams. Mm, yeah. Wow. Wow. She's good. She's really good. We've got to bring her on to the next album. So that's exactly what they did. They brought on Alita Adams. <sighs> what is she on? She's on... Uh, she sings... She plays acoustic uh, piano and backing vocals. So she has a presence on about half the album. <clears throat> yeah, most notably, uh, she's the co-singer for Woman in Chains. But she's she's she is a presence in some form or another for about half the album. Cool. Yeah. Produced by Tears for Fears themselves, plus Dave Bascombe. This one, Orzabel really took control. The in terms of the writing and the singing. This was more of his album than the previous two um there was uh instead of themes about the inner struggle one might say uh this one was a lot more political a lot of anti-conservative slash anti-thatcher um mm. sentiments in ah, this one. that era <laughs> uh, yes exactly that era there are lyrics in sowing the seeds of love specifically dedicated to thatcher what do you think of seeds of love uh it's uh definitely not as perfect as one way I would put it, I think it needed a little work, even in track order. Mm. I don't think "Woman in Chains" is a strong opener. No, not at all. Um, and it's not even—it's not a terrible song, but it just doesn't get the album off of the right foot. I might have it open side B, if if and when mm-hmm. you have a side B. But to open the album, no. I thought that "Sowing the Seeds of Love" was going to be the opening track because yeah. it opens that compilation I have. Yeah. And it's a good opener. Mm-hmm. It, it it starts off the compilation on a great note. It just and it just feels more natural. It just feels like when when that song starts, it feels very abrupt compared to like like even where it is in the track flow. So I would I would open it with with uh, sowing the seeds of love. Um, the whole first song. So yeah, the, the whole first four songs need rearranging in my opinion. I would go with three, four, two, and one. Mm. 
and then proceed as it is because I feel like the second half of the album is it does actually have a decent flow to it. Not all the tracks are terrible, but a few of them are way too long for their own good. Yeah, definitely. Um, Year of um, the Knife is seven minutes long. Badman's Song is eight and a half. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's what I wrote. Is is Badman's Song still going? <laughs> <laughs> um, the second half of the album really works for me, though. Um, uh, actually, I really like Year of the Knife. Uh, I think that one, it is long, but, uh, but it, at that point of the album, it feels like you can have a long song and, mm. but like when it's the beginning of the album, like we're two songs in and you're, you're in like, like, I don't know, like 15 minutes. It, the first two songs combined are 15 minutes long. And, and it's, it's just, so you're already starting to feel a little tired by then. Yeah. By the time you get to year of the knife where it, that being a longer song works because it's like, well, you feel like you've earned that, that that place. Yeah. And then uh, the closer, famous last words, I think is also particularly good with where it's at in the album as well. I just think it's a good closer. So they knew what they knew how to, they knew how to finish it. The album is very reflective of that specific moment in time, not not, not just politically as you were mentioning, but also musically. Mm. That era, because it was '89, it was shedding the '80s mm-hmm. and didn't quite know what the '90s were. And so, and I've seen and I've seen this um, in a few albums. This sort of this sort of feel of music. There was that Bee Gees album that we listened to that was like in from '91. Yes, the, uh, I don't remember what it was called. No, but uh, it had one of my track recommendations. Uh, uh, Caroline Fallen Angel mm-hmm. was on that album. Yeah, and um, oh, there you go. There's another one that was bigger than uh, the Bee Gees. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that that album plus Michael Jackson's uh, what was it called? Dangerous. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, this one feels in line with those. Although I will say this this has the this is before those. Yeah. So uh, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like a, you know, it's not a copycat or anything like that. And nor do I think they're similar enough to call them that, but, but that this kind of like feel of music that was, that was sort of between like, I guess 89 and 91, just right before Nirvana t- turned everything else on its head. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and made music a little darker. We, um, we, uh, we haven't quite shed, New Wave, but oh, we also... High Civilization. That was the name of the Bee Gees album, yeah. We haven't quite shed New Wave, but we haven't quite gotten House. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? Where are yeah, we? yeah. So uh, that, so that I feel like it's right in line with that. And it's, and it's you know, again, this, a lot of the music's very good, but it's... Uh, <laughs> the album is kind of crushed by its own ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it wants to be... It wants these really big songs... Um, you know, Badman song. I just don't know if it has the gravitas and structure to last eight minutes. Um, but but there's there's a lot of good elements to it, and and I think it's great and worth listening to. But if there were if there was a, sl- a shorter version, I think that would really benefit. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it's a weird it's a weird album. Uh, I think it's got a lot of good stuff and but it just it just it doesn't come together as well as I think um, either of the previous two albums had. Sowing the seeds of love might be my favorite song on there. Um, but interestingly enough, not unlike shouts, I find the chorus a little cheesy, but the verses and especially the bridge are fantastic. Um, mm. th- that bridge. I love uh, and the frantic uh, the frantic singing of uh, Orzabal for the verses. Yeah, especially yeah. I, I love the way he comes in at the very beginning. It's just really in your face. And, and it also kind of reminds me of like um, 
I am the walrus. A little. A little. Bit. Yeah, yeah, like yeah they're almost, almost staccatoed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, Swords and Knives, I also, I actually really like that one as well. I don't revisit this album. That's the thing. I, mm. ever since I, I gave it two to three uh, listens, because I had plenty of time, but then after that, nope. I'll still, I'll still go back to the hurting and stuff, uh, but I won't really, I don't, I don't come back to this album. Especially do that first half. I will say, the B-sides are so good. I don't know if I've listened so, to the B-sides. They are so good. Uh, Johnny pa- Panic and the Bible of Dreams. Oh, yeah. Okay, actually, there are... I, we'll have to get more into this later, yeah. but yeah, I, I've listened to some because I have the... A lot of them were included on the uh, the B-side collection. Okay, so I probably have heard most of okay. them, but yeah. Yeah, uh, hip-hop inspired. So good. Tears roll. Is the down? song called Hip Hop Inspired? No, no, it's Hip Hop. Johnny Panic and the Bible oh. of Dreams is Hip Hop Inspired. <laughs> okay, it's I so good. To... I'm like, that's a very strange <laughs> name for a song, <laughs> isn't it? Though? But not the strangest. <clears throat> Tears roll down. Yes, yes. Tears roll down is the B side to Sowing the Seeds of Love and is an in- mostly mostly instrumental. Yeah. World music inspired uh, version for a song that will come out later. And this is the superior version. It's so good. Well, actually, you know, okay, because I think between. Before even the next album, yeah. I think that's when that my the compilation I have mm-hmm. with late so low tears roll down. Yes. So here's the thing. Yeah. I think they work together to complement each other. So you think that this one is the superior one, the mostly instrumental one, but I think that like if there was a collection of songs where late so low played earlier in the album and then later on in the album there tears the tears roll down version mm. played. And then what you have is is um, reoccurring musical ideas and themes, and I just I just think that the the way that it, the sec the the instrumental one is structured where it's mostly instrumental and then it goes bam back into the chorus yeah that's got a cool that would be that cool. would be a cool thematic flow I mean obviously uh, it didn't play out it, that way yeah but, but no you're right though that would be really cool because you're right tear, tears tears roll down it's instrumental until bam suddenly the chorus comes in which I mean isn't I guess in the in the structure of the original song, it's not actually the chorus; it's just the vocal yeah. part. But we now know it as the chorus because of the later version of the song. And because I I, yeah. I I think that single is amazing mm-hmm. uh, and a, and a great addition to the and it fits really well within that compilation as well. Yeah, like you wouldn't know it to be separate from the other the other well, stuff. But let's 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 uh let's get into this like right now because Seeds of Love did actually sell really well and it did chart really really well. Okay, but Kurt Smith did wind up leaving the band yeah um he went off to go pursue uh his his own projects he released a, an album in 93 called soul on board was a total flop um oh yeah so yeah, yeah we should talk i'm gonna touch a little bit on soul on board have you did you listen to it uh let's quickly do no, before we okay. got to soul on board uh okay, let's, <laughs> well because the year prior march 1992 is when tears roll down right the greatest hits 82 to 92 was released in which uh tears roll down was retooled into laid so low tears roll down mm-hmm. uh this was such an amazingly selling this was a platinum selling compilation oh was it okay this was a huge comp- it's out of print eh well, apparently just, just, be, just because they got they have they have more definitive versions yeah. of their greatest hits yeah this uh but yeah this um like this was a this was a big deal and i remember i, I bought it at a secondhand cd store just just kind of on a whim because i was like i was like oh tears of i know a few of their songs yeah this, oh i think it was because I you know more recently watched Johnny Darko and mm. I, was, I was like oh man I, I should have head over heels yeah and then I bought that and and that and that's sort of like this this 
is a great introduction to Tears for Fears. Yes. If, if you if you're a little intimidated to just get into the catalog, which you know you shouldn't be really because it's like this just covers th- three albums. But I, yeah, it's great. I like this is a really like this is a this has a lot of the essentials basically. I mean. It, it should make you want to listen to more, and you should. Yeah. But uh, it's a good starting point. Yeah. Uh, the on, the change and shout are uh, the seven-inch versions. Interesting. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so this was, a really big, this was a really big release for them, and I like the fact that it doesn't just kind of, like, play the songs in the release order, which a lot of compilations tend to no, do. No, it's, it's, it's got, got a good mix. It's got structure. So... I had once contemplated picking up a Tears for Fears compilation album. Um, it had a red cover, and it just in the, the little circle on it, it mm-hmm. had uh, Orzabal and Smith's face. Uh, but I didn't wind up doing it. And then you picked up this album, and I thought this was really, really good. And the next time I stumbled across it, I should definitely pick up this version. But then I wound up grabbing the... The, the red version i saw right anyway <laughs> anyways which i'm glad i did because there was a uh, there was more stuff on it there's but, a couple uh, more yeah a couple more, because it was a later release it was a later release yeah. yeah uh but yes anyways okay so that's that's a footnote just thought we'd mention it because yeah it is actually a phenomenal compilation if you uh, just if you just feel like you want to be very casual tears for fears just at least get that uh well i mean again like apparently there's mil- a million or whatever out there but yeah. but uh but any, any you know, I, these songs will be on any greatest hits. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, no, you, uh, you are, uh, you are correct, sir. I did not listen to Soul on Board by Kurt Smith. <clears throat> um, you know what? I actually could have because I've had so much time. Um, you know what, what is? How so is so it when it comes to the solo material yeah. between these two guys, there it's all over the place. As yeah. far as like like Soul on Board, I could only think if I think I only found on YouTube. Mm. It's not on iTunes. It's not on uh, Spotify, but it is all on YouTube. Um, Kurt Smith, you know, don't get excited about it, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> he, he uh, apparently it's, it's one of those I need to fulfill a contract albums. I see. And he, he notoriously doesn't like it. He, he, thinks it, he thinks it's not a good release. So it's not like obviously terrible. It's not like it's not like you're listening to this and going like, what on earth is going <laughs> on? But it does feel like a like a contract fulfiller of an album. Um because uh, these a lot of these songs are just are they're just really uninteresting mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, I just think he could do better, and I think he knows he could do better, and <laughs> and and he does better later. So that's fair. <laughs> so they, that's just like that's just, just the truth of the matter. Um, you know, it's um, you know, not, not that I would want to pin them up against each other, but like the fact that this came out the same year as Elemental. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just like uh, yeah, Kurt. Like it's you know, I I I, I just feel bad that. You know, even for, con- I, I guess, sorry, how, how do I want to put this? Um, for contract fulfilling albums, I mean, I, I don't know. Would you, I, I don't know. I don't work in the music industry. I don't know how exhausting the process is of making an mm. album. But like, I don't know. Would you not want to put your best foot forward? Would you not want to like, just like, well, you know, here's my first solo album. Do I not want to like. He could have been really tired. You know, again, I, 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 I don't, I'm not, I'm not in his shoes at that point in time. I don't know what it was like, but it just, I just like, it was. It was a yawn of an album, <laughs> and I, it, that's definitely one where I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm probably I listened to it once. I, I gave it once, and I'm I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, <clears throat> that same year, June 1993, was uh, Tears for Fears Elemental. But really, the okay, so officially, Tears for Fears was Roland Orzabal. However, he seemed to get a lot of help from Tim Palmer. 
uh, who co-produced the album and also I believe they play. He played on it too, played and I think it, yeah. I did some co-writing as well, if I recall. Yeah, that sounds that sounds mm-hmm. right. Um, now I remember you picking this up, if I recall, in Bellingham. I want to say or Seattle, maybe. It was Bellingham. Mm-hmm. It was when we went up to see Alan Parsons Project because Dad oh. was in the car too. Okay, so yeah, 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 yeah. it was it, it was was it? Well, no, what was it? Record Store Day. I believe it was, yes. Yeah, just coincidentally, it was Record yeah. Store Day, and uh, we went to Easy... No, not Easy... No, that's, no, 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 that's no, in no, Seattle. Not Easy Street. Uh, I don't um, remember. I <laughs> never remember the name of the... Uh, there's a record store in Bellingham. It's, one, it's yeah. really nice. Yeah. It's a good It's a good record store. Go yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but I remember you pointed it out, and I was just kind of like, eh. You know, yeah, I, and, and I, the thing is, I had never heard anything from it before, yeah. and I was just like, well, it, it, it was like really cheap. It was secondhand, yeah. so yeah. I was, I was like, I should give this. When they, when they do cheap, they do pretty damn cheap. Um, yeah, yeah. I keep thinking of that uh, time that um, for Our Lady Peace, you picked up Curve. You're like, should I get this? It was like two bucks, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And we, you hadn't heard it before, and. Only later after we did the Our Lady Peace episode where you're like, wait, like it wasn't Curve, was it? I'm like, it was Curve. Yeah, like, yeah. Damn it. I, really, I actually like that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually did wind up getting it. And I, even an autographed copy. Oh, you got an autographed copy. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did you get it autographed? I'm trying to remember. How how did I get it? Um, no, I, I'm, I think I got it secondhand. Okay. Um, oh, cool. So I mean, so yeah. do, you, do you mean ready made it? Oh, in, I might like, have gotten it from uh, Columbia Street. I might have gotten it from Columbia Street, right? Um, the one, the, like, walking distance from my, my place? Yeah. I might have gotten it from there. Oh, cool. Yeah, but anyway. So I guess he came out on top anyway. We played Elemental in the car ride home, and from that first track, I was like, ah, this is a really good album. (laughs) (laughs) This is really good. It was uh, was a good investment. That title track, Elemental, is so good. Tim Palmer apparently worked with Pearl Jam and U2, and uh, the album was also co-produced by Alan Griffiths. Uh, Yeah, I don't know about you, but um, as good as it is, it is definitely 90s rock. Is definitely well. It, it definitely out. feels like uh, um, you know, like I said, Seeds of Love is in that is in that weird limbo zone mm-hmm. of of a, a you know it hasn't a, you know a decade that hasn't found itself. Where by the time '93 came around, the '90s sound was defined. Yeah, yeah. Um, Break it down again was one of their <clears throat> their last huge huge songs. That one actually charted really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I. You know, it's it's really catchy, but I've never been really enthusiastic about it. But uh, that being said, songs like uh, Gas Giants, which is a phenomenal instrumental, mm. and and then Fish Out of Water, which uh, I've always loved the guitar in Fish Out of Water, but includes this curious lyric here. We used to sit and talk about Primal Scream to exercise our past was an adolescent dream. So I was like, oh, it's very, very self-reflective. And reflective of the state of the band, hmm. you know, a, a way of saying, "Hey, look, I've I've kind of moved, I've kind of moved past that." But yeah, on the whole, I've I actually I really like this album. I think it is a fun, fantastic album. Thank you for putting it on my iPod, and uh, I'd say a pretty worthy follow up uh, for Tears for Fears. And also, I mean, even it kind of encaps like it's kind of encapsulated by the the album art because he's there by himself, and there's a space beside him, uh, hmm. a big empty space. And he's he's alone in a desert, and uh, there's the music communicates this. There's a there's a, a, a longing and a, a remorse, but at the same time, also a we're gonna start again. We're doing we're starting from the ground up. We're starting from the elements. We're breaking down our music, and we're building up something new again. So it's it's a very interestingly balanced mm-hmm. album. Definitely darker than Seeds of Love. Sorry, actually, are you done? Are yeah, you, go. Okay. Take it away. <clears throat> Definitely taking itself more seriously than 
soul on board. Um, it feels very big mm-hmm. and emotionally raw. More concise songwriting, uh, thankfully. Like again, uh, one thing you can't say about Seeds of Love is that it was concise. <laughs> but uh, never, it, it, despite being more more uh, efficient in a sense, uh, it doesn't lose a sense of scale. The title track is uh, unforgettable. I think it really sets the stage with a very like grounded, epic feel. Uh, Break it down again. I actually really like it. I think it's a really solid symbol, mm. sing, uh, a really solid single, and I think one that really sticks. You know, the album's got some 90, 90-isms overall, but it was, um, but it's also very grounded and mature work uh, that stands up well. So it's you know it feels like it doesn't have the grittiness of like a lot of like the the nineties rock stuff that uh, of like the really young bands. As he's a little more, he's you know, it's 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 mostly raw, but it's also like. It just it just feels more mature than that kind of stuff. No, not you know not to knock it. I think I think you know everyone needs a little bit of it, of of that that youthful um, sheer unabashed you know in your face kind of rock music that was happening in the '90s. But this was a little more scaled back in a sense. Gas Giants I also really loved. Very unique experimental track that uh, it feels more like a B side, but it's not a B side, so that's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's just, it's just kind of nice to hear one of those tracks make it onto the album proper because sure. there's a lot of like interesting stuff that kind of gets some, uh, uh, you know, put on the, the B-sides. I have very few criticisms of the album, actually, but what I will say is that many of the tracks in the middle are not as memorable. Uh, like, it does kind of lose a little bit of, of its, uh, like, it, some of the tracks just they kind of, not that they bleed into each other, but that, you know, they... Yeah, you know, just not everything. Not everything is like going to stand out as much, right? Sure, pretty normal. But the overall feel of the album works. Um, there's a definite, consistent tone and feel. Um, it finishes super strong with the thunderous power. I think it's a great song, and playful Beach Boy um, homage. Uh, Brian Wilson said, "I think that's a really good solid track." Um, you know, it, it it definitely like it's very clearly. Um, a uh, Beach Boys homage, even in his title. And I like the more optimistic, but uh, less like impressive sounding goodnight song, um, but it's a good finisher. So uh, I like Elemental. I think it's it's a really good, solid release. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, quick footnote, uh, only because it's included in a couple of the compilations. 1994, there was a movie released called Threesome with Lara Flynn Boyle, Josh Charles, and Stephen Baldwin. And Tears for Fears contributed the song New Star to the soundtrack. Oh, um, I, sorry. I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump to October of 1995, mm-hmm. where we have Raul and the Kings of Spain. Now, uh, again, same producers last one, Tim Palmer, uh, Roland Orzabal, and Alan Griffiths. Apparently, um, Orzabal's parents were originally going to name him Raul, but decided mm-hmm. instead to name him Roland. And he, in turn, he named his son Raul. So there's there's a, a kind of an interesting family dynamic. This one, he, he's he's definitely leaning into a theme of uh, Spanish heritage in part. Yeah. So the title track, Raul and the and the Kings of Spain, is a hell of an earworm. Once you hear him howl, Raul, Raul, it will not leave your head. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, really enjoyable. Uh, sketches of pain. Which is an homage, naturally, to Miles Davis's Sketches of Spain. Great album, by the way. Yeah, fantastic album. And Los Reyes Catalocos, The Catholic Kings. Honestly, uh, the album the album is never great and sometimes dated, 
but it works best when it's leaning into the theme of 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 heritage and influence. The vocal mod he uses works sometimes, but on the whole, it tends to be over overused. Um, it's yeah, so it's it's a fairly good album, but it it's it doesn't quite live up to the 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 potential that we've heard even even back to just back to Elemental. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, oh, and one of the B sides he did a live version of uh, Creep. Uh, which was interesting. Interesting. Oh, wait, how did I? Did I? I must have heard that one because I'm pretty sure I have the beast. I have the extended uh, version. And anything else? Or uh, my, my um, this is another one that I don't. I don't uh, revisit truthfully. Oh, okay. Uh, that I don't really revisit. Uh, I I did I did give it a fair shake though because I I think this is part of the issue is that like. Every time he started going back to more of, uh, you know, like Los Reyes, Catalocos, Queen of Compromise, any of the stuff that leaned into into the theme of the album, I, I thought was interesting stuff. But it just it never quite crystallized. It never quite, you know, really unified. And and uh, I think of uh, almost relatedly uh, Gaudi, Alan Parsons Project, where, you know, it's very unified. And it's even though it, it can deviate away from the, the Spanish influences, it still knows when to bring them back in, mm. and and still knows how to 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 rein it in. Um, this this doesn't work on that level. Mm. Well, I I guess I liked it better than you did. I thought it was pretty cool in a similar vein as Elemental, but uh, not quite as dark. And uh, and yeah, we <laughs> that, that title track though, like we, we agree, <laughs> we get in there, Raul. It's like woo, that's beautiful. Falling down is also really solid. This is the next track over, especially in the instrumental details, um, in the, in the interludes, but also a great vocal melody playing with dramatic highs and lows. Um, for the song, uh, God's mistake. I'm a little bit like Roland who hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> who hurt you, buddy? Uh, it's, that one's pretty memorable too. I don't love that song, but it's, um, but you don't forget it. It's like, Low love is God's mistake. I'm like, whew, man, what happened? <laughs> uh, Secrets is less interesting. Sketches of Pain is a bit more bare bones, but it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's actually a really charming, uh, really charming little song. Um, I do like the reoccurring musical themes um, that do come in. Like, yeah, the I'm so terrible at pronouncing this. Los Reyes Catalocos. Yeah, uh, when those come back, I do. I also I really appreciate that stuff. I think that's really great, especially that it comes in partway through, kind of refers back to the t- the title track, mm. and then comes back again right at the end. So like that that unifying those those movements, um, they they do bring the album a little bit more together for me. The, uh, there are definitely some points where it does lull a little bit, I mean, especially particularly I think in the second half where it doesn't really, the uh, album doesn't um, doesn't quite know what to do with itself uh although i will say uh the one thing that you you um for neglected to mention so maybe i'm gonna mention here humdrum and humble i think is a really great track like i think is one of the best off the album and and his his um oh humdrum and humble is off of yes okay no no i see okay sorry and his vocal performance i think is great in it um the, the just the way it's produced it sounds very like pronounced and sharp and and uh and really full sounding and so i would i would definitely give that track another spin mm-hmm. the song sorry is very 90s <laughs> um probably the most like edgy track but yeah after that after that point it does peter off a little bit um uh, so the, i think the album could probably lose a track or two to be a little tighter 
Um, but all in all, I actually, I really enjoy it. And I, I actually, I got myself a CD copy. Oh, nice. Um, because I just, uh, because I, I wanted to. Because <laughs> Yeah. Now, at this point, all the signs seem to point to Orzabal deciding to retire the Tears for Fear's name and just go solo. Because mm-hmm. it seems like he took uh, Palmer and Griffiths with him to start doing his solo work. Yeah. But I think we need to <clears throat> mention Saturnine, Marshall, and Lunatic. Oh, absolutely. Besides compilation absolutely. from June of 96. Because I loved this. I thought this was a, a great collection of songs you know from from the beginning johnny panic in the bible of dreams there's a fluke remix right oh is that is a fluke it's fluke yeah I mean, fluke is, is is that absurd yes that's the one <laughs> everybody it's absurd captain kirk i'm one <laughs> yeah we've uh there was another remix recently that we caught um, i don't quite remember where that fluke did a remix and uh, we're surprised yeah, um but yeah yeah, he, he turns up every once in a while. But, oh, God, this is, uh, this is great stuff. The song The Big Chair uh, actually uh, takes dialogue from the movie Sybil uh, and incorporates it in. There are some covers, Seesaw and Ashes to Ashes, uh, a very interesting version of Ashes to Ashes. But nothing off of uh, Raul and the Kings of Spain, and this is most likely due to a label change. It is a label change, is my understanding. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but that's okay. Uh, if you want some B sides from Raul, I, I do. I got the again. I got the CD, and it's an expanded edition, which which includes them. And this is the full, the first LP release that has the way you are included on it. Yes. Oh, yeah, sorry, we haven't even mentioned that song yet. Well, yeah, we haven't gone to the 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 release that I had that uh, that had the way you are. But you know, it is it is actually. We might as well mention it now. Uh, underappreciated track, I yeah. feel by them. Uh, it was a single. It was yeah. between the hurting and songs from the big chair. It was an off album single, yeah. Uh, but it has a music video and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. But uh, they, they, I think notoriously they don't, and that's why they 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 wanted to change things up for songs from the big chair. Even though yeah. I don't, I don't really. Again, you know, I feel the same way about um, a celebration by U two, where they're mm. they're like, oh, we don't really acknowledge that one too much. <laughs> but but I'm like, that song's great. Yeah, I, lo- <laughs> I love it. I love um, it. Yeah. So apparently, we have a lot of U two comparisons right now, <laughs> um, which is you know, yeah, contemporary, good, good, good company to be in. I think. Yeah, I just uh, I, I I really enjoy that song, and uh, and but it feels like they never knew what to deal with do with it. Like mm-hmm. they put on they didn't put it on the laid so low or the tears roll down um, thing. And they, but they did put it on the one that you have, the yes. best of that you have. Yes. And I think it's probably on the most recent compilation of best ofs as well. Yeah. It doesn't quite feel like it's in place on this. No, they just jammed it in at the Just put end, it at the back the at ends. the end. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I, and given what the material is like on here, mm-hmm. again, it doesn't really fit. Uh, even though like there's no unifying sound in this. It, like, okay, are you done your thoughts on it? Like, should I jump it, dump it in mine? Um, Mostly, I, I will say though, Pharaohs is also really, really good. But uh, on the whole, I like I have always thought that their B sides were really, really good, and having a collection like this was great. Great. This is exactly what I love about B sides and rarities um, <clears throat> compilations. This is exactly what I'm looking for, to yeah. be honest. Of course, you know you, you trade the consistency of the vision um, of an album. You, you that's the, that's the compromise. You don't have the consistency of vision of an album. What you have instead are bold, unconventional ideas that are um, that kind of reflect the more um, exploratory nature of a band. There are some very experimental mix is, uh, tracks in here in the mix, uh, and as well as some very accessible ones too. So it's a nice it's a nice uh, combination thereof. 
And I can see why a lot of these ones didn't make the cut initially. You can see that in the ambition. We can kind of see like what their ambitions were when they were making these. And um, and they like the polish of the hits, you know, and that's fine. But I'm glad these tracks are collected like this because um, if someone wants deep cuts, like here, he, like just point them to this. If you want some Tears for Fears deep cuts, here you are. Yeah. And 18 tracks. So, like, talk about bang for the buck, too. Although, uh, I'll actually cover that in a second. Um, Their cover of Ashes to Ashes, um, you said interesting cover. I felt it was too damn similar. It sounds like the same. It just sounds like Ashes to Ashes, but Roland is singing it. <laughs> so that that that's the problem. Uh, you know, we talked about covers earlier. Covers, yeah. This is not an ideal cover because it's just it's just you know if if you want to listen to Ashes to Ashes, but Roland singing it instead of Bowie, then here you go. Um, but you know, in fairness, they do a great like it sounds good. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. It's just it's just there's nothing creative brought to it. Yeah. So. But yeah, highlights. I also really like Pharaoh, Pharaoh's um, The Body Wa, Lord of Karma, um, and Blood Letting Go. Uh, those are all highlights, although, the, again, there's a lot of other stuff that I really like, too. And yeah, so there you go. The other, all the other things I wrote, I already mentioned. So. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I can understand this not being for everybody. But um, but I I really appreciate it. The fans the fans should get it. Fans fans, fans should get should it. Get it. Now um, so here's a quick story about this one is yeah. that uh, the I guess they didn't have like a huge CD distribution um, and, and never any vinyl release that I'm aware of. So uh, the the going price for this for this on CD yeah is stupidly high. It's uh, like it's like one of those seventy dollar. I guess you know they're worse out there. Sure, but it's like you know seventy bucks plus shipping, that kind of thing. For and then I'm like, oh, I'm like, geez, I mean, you could just buy it on iTunes for like ten bucks, or you could just you know rip it, you know, yeah. d- download the songs and ugh. yeah. So yeah. um, you know, like it's that, that that's one of the things where. But here's how weird like the CD market is right now because it seems like you know some albums people just trying to get rid of them because then for like three bucks or whatever just because like yeah. I, we don't need CDs anymore. This. Oh hey, I, I've got a box of CDs I'm trying to get rid of. Uh, yeah. Someone pick them up for ten bucks yeah. on eBay. I was looking for this thing because part of me because there's a lot of notes and stuff on the inside, and so I sure. wanted to get the physical copy, but I didn't want to spend seventy bucks <laughs> for it, and so. I looked around eBay and lo and behold, it's in this one of those big boxes of CDs that somebody's just trying to sell off. Yeah. And so I'm and I'm like, this guy doesn't know what he has. <laughs> <laughs> and so I buy this big box of CDs for uh, with a bunch of other things like uh, albums from Tom Waits and Tricky and like and uh, just a bunch of other artists. All starting with T. Yep. Coincidentally, <laughs> there are there are other ones, but those are the ones that came to mind. <laughs> um, and a few, a lot of that I hadn't heard of before. But sure. uh, and so for for less money than I maybe yeah yeah for, I think pretty I think I got it for less uh, that whole box of CDs with this album in it than I would have gotten it on its own because I think it's a guy just wanted to get rid of a bunch of albums on. When is it coming in? I have it. Yeah, I got it. I got it about a week ago. Fantastic! <laughs> yeah, we need like a we need like a music A to Z unboxing video. <laughs> I already I already unboxed it all. Well, we can pretend you didn't. Yeah, I, can, I still have the stack. My cats keep wanting to knock it over. So. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what yeah. they do. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that that's so you know you, you can you can hunt for a better deal is what I'm trying to yeah, tell yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Don't 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 
saturate. Don't, I mean, don't make things overpriced by actually buying things that are overpriced. It, yeah. it's, it's just a, it's just a CD. If you really want the music, uh, just you know, buy it on iTunes or something, and, or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. I you hear know? you. Uh, quick um, size, and also then, oh. and then the money will actually go to Tears for Fears if you, if you, if you buy a new digital copy. Um, so, uh, yeah, sorry if, if Roland or Kurt are listening to this, uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it in, in, in a new, in a new way. <laughs> uh, so sorry. September, 2001, a couple things Actually, happened before we jump in that, yeah. uh, Mayfield, the album Mayfield. Did you, is Kurt Smith? Uh, no. Did you know no, about I, that one? No. Uh, so it's a, it's a track of his, uh, it's an album of his, uh, that's the thing is it's Kurt Smith's discography is really messy. Mm-hmm. And you have to go to multiple sources to find it. And uh, Mayfield is mislabeled in uh, Spotify is a 2011 album, but it was really, really originally released in 1998. No, and and the joke is uh, the the band is technically called Mayfield, and the joke is Kurt is Mayfield. <laughs> so there you go. So Steve hasn't listened to it. I I got a, just a couple really quick notes. Do it. It also like there's some releases that are just again because it's very confusing. He also released an EP called Airplane, mm. and some of those tracks are on Mayfield. Only the Airplane is under his own name, not Mayfield. It's all very confusing. <laughs> but uh, you could definitely tell there's some improvement over his last album. But uh, but as far as like what the music direction is at this point in time, it is just more conventional adult pop rock. There's not a lot that's super exciting, although I think the song Sun King uh, is the standout track. Um, but if but Mayfield is one that you can find on Spotify if you're curious as to what Kurt Smith was up to between releases uh, or really between other like Tears for Fears and other releases. So mm-hmm. there you go. September 2001 uh, mm-hmm. is when Shout the very best of Tears for Fears. This is the one that I have that includes uh, basically, again, nothing from Raul, but up to uh, New Star, actually. OK, because New Star kind of came out. Um oh. Just as a quick footnote, again, uh, The Way You Are is on here. Uh, Mother's Talk has the U.S. remix on here. And I believe is actually a live version, a soulful re-recording. And does it have uh, Break It Down Again? Yeah, it does. Down oh, it does. Is. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so Unfortunately, this is one of those compilations. My only complaint is that it basically the stuff is released in... Uh, the songs are in their release order, basically. Okay, so if you want sort of a best of in... In uh, chronological order. Yeah. Uh, Again, I I don't really like that because sometimes I can find the the change between tracks a little jarring. Well, yeah, Um, because, you know, when they were on albums, they were not in that order. Yeah, but the compilation that you have shows that you can can rejig the tracks around so that at least sounds more cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, But it's good. I will say it is, it is a pretty good, both these compilations are really good. And um, there's, there's a whole bunch more. Anyways, we'll also note that uh, around that time, apparently is when Roland released his solo album, Tomcats screaming outside again with um, Alan Griffiths. And uh, yeah, I met a lot of critical acclaim, like critics really loved it, but it's, um, yeah, it bombed. Yeah, you can tell. You, you want to talk about extremely expensive CDs? Uh-oh. Um, this one was even more expensive, like a hundred bucks plus. I don't know. Must not. It just must have just tanked, and that was it. And yeah, because I, <laughs> I, and I'm like, I, I haven't found any sort of like hidden deal for that one. Yeah. Yet, so. Um, and, but and, and it's not on iTunes. It's not on Spotify. Oh. You have to really dig for this. Have you heard it? No. The only place I, I could find that you can hear it is YouTube. Of course. Because yeah, so. it seems everything's on YouTube. And I think it's a shame that it's buried and uh, there hasn't been another release since. 
And I feel like now's the time to do it. Roland, if you're listening, man, see if you can get the... I mean, I'm sure it's more complicated than that. I don't think you just wave a magic wand and go like, okay, vinyl release. Uh, (laughs) And and that's it. It is an underappreciated gem, I think, as far as the the non-Tears for Fears output goes. Um, it's pretty, it's got a pretty distinct identity too. Like it's, um, it's not, it doesn't sound like Tears for Fears, but you can definitely mm. tell it is Roland. It embraces more electronic music and heavier rock and, um, and makes it decently cohesive out of, out of like these really interesting to different, uh, more, more modern, especially in 2001 modern influences. He sometimes leans a little too hard in the drum machine, but overall, like I actually really like this album and, um, it should really be made available again. Um, in an official capacity. Snowdrops is a standout, and so is Under Ether. And uh, for the more uh, rock-oriented stuff, Dandelion. Hey, Andy, for the very electronic stuff. So, yeah, I don't want to dive too much deeper into that because I know mm-hmm. we got a lot to cover. But um, but I definitely don't don't miss out on that one. I think very underappreciated. Um, Tomcats screaming outside. Um, yeah. it's It just kind of struck me that <clears throat> I, I feel like this was... Like his his original plan was was to just stop doing tears for fears and then kind of continue on, but that's not what happened at all because in two thousand, just before this album was released, uh, Orzabal and Smith began talking, uh, and a lot of the sort of creative differences that they had kind of kind of started to not quite seem as important. So they began to work on a te- a new tears for fears album. But it took a few years to get going. I think they kind of they kind of knew though what's what they were doing when they named this next album. Everybody loves a happy ending. Oh, it's because Tears of Fears reunited, and who mm-hmm. doesn't love a, re- a reunification? Who doesn't love uh, uh, the end of a feud? Everybody loves a happy ending, uh, which came out September two thousand four. It was produced by Tears for Fears and Charlton Pettis. I found this to be uh, well again very busy cover art, but a very kind of Brit pop album a mm. lot a lot of Britpop. pop kind of had rings of even oasis to it uh the title track throws a lot at the wall to kind of see <laughs> yes. to kind of see what will stick <clears throat> call me mellow sounds a lot like there she goes uh originally by the laws but perhaps uh we're the most acquainted with the uh sixpence on the richer version there she oh, goes yeah, yeah 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 uh it sounds very reminiscent of that who you are is not written by Orzabel at all, which is uh, is, a, is a, an occasion that has not happened in quite some time. It is written purely by Smith and Pettis. Secret Worlds, they bring in the orchestra. Last Days on Earth, fantastic song. Dark content with plinky keyboards. They were really, really going for something uh, unsettling and unnerving, and I think they hit it out of the park there. There were, unfortunately, some middling reviews for this album and a little bit of charting, but not a lot. But I thought it was it was a fascinating fascinating album not not a fantastic album but i thought you know what i i could definitely i could kind of get behind this even though i know that now it wasn't but if this was to be the last tears for fears album i would have thought hey kind of a cool way to cap it kind of a cool way to cap it definitely a different uh change of pace yeah yeah yeah, for sure uh what are your thoughts sir definitely a change of pace (laughs) 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 definitely closer to seeds of love than raul that's Mm -hmm. for sure and and as, as the first track, I it, it reminded me so much of a, I don't even know specifically what, but just sounded like Paul McCartney to me mm-hmm. at certain points for sure. It's that Britpop sound. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if anyone could define like where where Britpop 
came from. Yeah, very optimistic. I really like that about it, uh, especially considering Raul and Elemental were a little bit on the darker side. Yes. Um, so this, yeah, the, the, the optimism is nice and not really of its time for 2004, which is fine because 2000 music kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we're, and you know, this is coming from somebody who should be the most nostalgic for that time period. Mm. Um, but, uh, but really I look back, I'm like, man, so much of it was terrible. <laughs> uh, not to say all of it was cause no, there's no time period when all music was terrible mm. nor t- any time period when all music was good. The album does start off strong. The first three tracks are super great. I love the, them all. But it does start to peter off a little bit. Uh, there is a lull in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never gets bad, but doesn't like reach the highs of some of their better work. The album definitely has stronger moments, um, mostly bookending it. I think the first track and the last track, um, in my opinion, are the best tracks. Um, again, not to say nothing in the middles is worth listening to. A lot of it is, but, um, but they... I think they were smart in how they opened it and smart in how they ended it, which is good because that's those are very important tracks. You want to hook people in and you want to leave on a good note because um, uh, and, and it does leave on a very good note. Last Days on Earth is beautiful, immaculately produced and performed. And Kurt and Roland, when they're singing together on that track, they sound so good. Mm-hmm. They sound like they, they belong together and they're like, re, you know, reunited. Um, and it's so smooth. The album, it has a lot of character, but what it trades is some gravitas. The, the, there's gravitas lost in exchange for some charm. And, uh, you know, maybe that's fine. It's still pretty good. Um, it has an identity of its own. Um, it, I, I definitely, I think that, that the, the last check, um, Last Days on Earth, if, again, as you, as you mentioned, if that was the way they capped their career, it would not have been a bad way. Yeah. It would not have been a bad way to go. Yeah. I don't know if you touched at all on uh, Deceptively Heavy or Halfway Pleased by Kurt Smith. I did not. Um, I don't have lots to say about them other than, like, they're, they're, my notes for the both albums are pretty similar. That just feels like Kurt found his voice. And it's still very much, like, adult-oriented pop rock. And there's – I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't love a lot of Kurt Smith's solo stuff. But every tra- But there's usually some good tracks. There's usually, there's, if you want to give it a, a listen through, there's usually a couple of good tracks that really stand out and then a few others that are just like, yeah, it's fine. So um, that is have a Halfway Please is 20, uh, 2008. Not on Spotify, but on iTunes. Okay. And Deceptively Heavy is on Spotify. And I think it's on iTunes too, but actually I'm not sure. <laughs> so again, like the the the, you need the some consistency. The solo stuff. That's the problem is yeah. that the solo stuff is just it's it's you have to look back and forth and and find every everything everywhere and it's you know just like just get the stuff sorted out. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of that is. It's probably more label than artist, I imagine. But I would assume so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's enough of that. Okay, so we're getting into the tipping point, which was just released a couple months ago, but I we need to step back because the recording or sorry, the production of this album started in 2013. Yeah, it started quite a long time ago. We're talking about nine years Uh, to kind of get started on that. um, There was a little little uh, EP that was released called Ready Boys and Girls. Did you hear it? Oh, uh, I did. Yeah, I forgot about it. But now yeah. that you mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the title is an amalgamation of the three songs they cover. So they cover My Girls by Animal Collective, which when I saw that, I was like, oh. That song is awesome, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Ready to Start and by Arcade Fire and oh, yeah. and I Was a Boy from School by Hot Chip. Again, all 
like I would never have <clears throat> imagined them covering any of those bands, but okay. Well, you know, um, y- what I never never doubt how much people who make music love listening love to music. music. Yeah, so yeah. these are all, in my humble opinion, phenomenal, phenomenal covers. But the one that takes the cake is their cover of My Girls, which is so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the original song. I went out and I scooped that album post Merryweather post weather. Merriweather Pavilion. Pavilion, yeah. yeah. I skipped that out based on the strength of that one song and uh, didn't regret it. No, but good, it's a good one. But it's their good. Cover, It's my favorite album by Animal Collective that I've heard. I think it's really solid. Bonefish. Bonefish. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I like that one too, but uh, yeah, but I think I think I think Merryweather's a, a stronger one. Yeah. Oh, what a fantastic what a fantastic cover though. Like um what you said about uh about Ashes Tasha is definitely true. And I think they they learned uh exactly how to cover songs. Like I like the Arcade Fire one as well. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Um, all, all three of them are really well, good. I, I like the hot chip I just don't know which I didn't know the hot chip song originally, so I, I um uh, it's 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 uh, along the same lines. It's very good. A hot chip I again uh I'll say it really surprised me. I've I know you know um, the Hot Chip is one of those bands where I I keep hearing about them and then I keep not listening to them. I so. got one of their albums through Vinyl Me Please when I was subscribed to them, oh, okay. and it's it's such a good album. Like legitimately, I haven't heard a Hot Chip song that I thought was a dud. Like they're just oh. they're just great high energy stuff. Well, I just I, then I'm doing myself a disservice. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess if there's one thing I need to do, it's listen to more music because I'm right? really lazy. Hey, hey boys. Hey girls, superstar DJ. Here we we go. go. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't help but think of it, right? You know. Yeah. True enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, that's a great song too. (laughs) Oh, that's a great album. Is that uh, the uh, Surrender by uh, Chemical Brothers? Oh, yeah. So good. So good. good. (laughs) Okay, so uh, management at the time said to Tears for Fears again years ago. You guys need to start collaborating with younger artists to infuse like some mm, that fresh youth voice in oh. and get it going and stuff. And they're like, OK, there was a uh, 2017 uh, rule the world. Oh, the yes. Yeah, this is the newest version. And the newest greatest hits. Newest greatest hits. Universal wants to generate buzz uh, for the upcoming album. So that's why they released this one. And it included on it. I love you, but I'm lost, which Tears for Fears had written and performed with uh, Bastille. And so that was included <laughs> on, on this album. Oh, no. Oh, that song by Bastille, the uh, close your eyes. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> it's so ruined for me now because there's a stupid meme uh, that... Um, of the of somebody going emotional damage, yes, and then they they mix it in with that song, <laughs> yeah, 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 emotional damage, emotional, <laughs> and now that's all I hear. I'm like, oh no, because <laughs> I like that song, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, now it's been memefied, memefied. Uh, the the perils, the perils of pop culture. It's terrible, but uh, <laughs> uh, so they kept that one, but basically at the end they. They junked the other material. It just, it wasn't working. It wasn't feeling like a Tears for Fears. Um, I haven't even listened. I, I actually haven't listened to that one, so I cannot comment on it. Uh, I Love You by Moss? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's okay. Oh, they included this, this single version of Change on here. Okay, you cool. can change. That's cool. But it's, it's I mean, it's just a, another, you know. It's, it's, it's the same. Oh, except it's got some Raul on there. Yeah. It. Oh, yes. Fair. Uh, it also has a song called Stay. 
that song actually carried over to the tipping point. Stay is the one is the one unifying thing, which is strange because again they are they are like years apart. After a million and a half years of saying no, let's go back to what's what we do is Tears for Fears best. Again, not really any of the other material. They went back and they released the tipping point in February twenty twenty two this year. Produced as well with Charlton Pettis again, but also Florian Reuter and Sasha Scarbeck on the heels of. Actually, I think by this point they've got a couple singles out. The, the tipping point, the tipping point, and Break the Man for sure. Yeah, came out before the album. Yeah. What do you think of the tipping points, Doug? I think the gravitas is back. Mm. I, I appreciate that it's embracing modern production elements. Uh, it, you know, some some bands that are a little older. Uh, not to call you guys old or anything, oh. <laughs> but, but but it's true. Like they just they just, they don't really. Um, they kind of stay in their lane, you know. They keep doing what they've been doing, uh, sound wise, mm. and that's not the case here. This this actually has pretty, a lot of very modern sounding stuff in it, <clears throat> but doesn't necessarily feel like it's of you know like it's like pop music of today, mm-hmm. whatever that even means. I don't, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know what pop music of today is like. So it's very different than anything else in their catalog. Uh, notably, um, feels heavy, not not heavy as in like you know heavy music, but heavy as in emotionally. But not depressing, and which which is nice because uh, a, a lot of the subject matter of the album is Roland Orzabal, the death of his wife, um, yeah. and uh, and the struggles of alcoholism uh, that that uh, brought her there. But this album sounds more like more less less like digging into that and more like uh, finding healing in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like an album of healing. Amazing title track. I really like the tipping point. I think it, I think I like that's that's almost like the thesis statement of the album right there. Is yeah. is uh and and it, you know it's, I like that's not the first track, but it, it does feel like it's it's proper. It's where it's where it belongs. The first track is is actually it's a good intro track too. So actually yeah, come think of it structurally, the album is very smart. I think it's, it's structured very well. Uh, but yeah, the title track. I mean, I gotta admit, it is one of my favorites off the album. Um, there are a few other ones that don't quite uh carry the same weight, but um, as far as other favorites, My Demons is, um, it's, I mean, that was, uh, it was just memorable because it's really harsh sounding, mm-hmm. um, a very edgy piece. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily like the best written song, but it's, it's memorable. But, uh, Rivers of Mercy, I think is a beautiful song, uh, very spiritual sounding, almost, almost a gospel sounding. Um, so that one is another super great highlight. And, uh, and it's just really nice to hear, um, Kurt and Roland um, being like super, I don't know, just like having that really creative energy again. I There's something very unique and very special about this album. I don't know if it's like the, you know, the best thing they've come out with. There are a few songs that probably are a little, you know, a little too like slow and don't really, but even the ones that are a little slower, they tend to go somewhere a little more interesting. They, they tend to grow into something that, you know, you don't necessarily you listen to it and you're like, I don't know if this one's going to be for me. And then it kind of gets to be the, in in that place where like, okay, you know what? Actually, that wasn't worth listening to. So, um, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, well, everybody loves a happy ending for sure. <laughs> um, the, you know, the years go by and then you kind of discover the, the ending wasn't as happy as you hoped it was. Oh. But, um, but the tipping point, I think is good to show that, you know, that there's, there's still some good stuff after, after that too. So, Right on, right on. Actually, that was very well put, sir. (laughs) Thank you. I will say Break the Man, the video, yeah, it's got basically like animated people who are walking. 
Oh, yeah, I don't think I've that. seen the music video. I saw the music video to the Tipping Point. Yeah, that's that's fine. Break the Man one. Mm, sorry, the Tipping a little, Point. I thought was a good video. Tipping Point's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the Break the Man one, it's it's kind of been done. But on the whole, I actually think this is this is a really good album. And you know, I wasn't impressed at first, but it gets better every time I listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I felt that too. Like it, like it rewards. So I mean, so maybe I like it even more than I think I do now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it definitely it does reward repeat listenings. Yeah, the last time I listened to it, I was really I was really into it, uh, which which kind of surprised me because yeah, uh, just again like I said, wasn't too keen the first first time. But uh, there is a lot of stuff t- to call back, and I think it it kind of I think you hit on it in that it's 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 bringing back lyrics and themes and stuff that are really personal, and I think that's that's always where they have succeeded. And I think that's where their best material has come from. Stuff that's that's really like that hits hard. They said that they wrote the song in a way, or they wrote the songs in a way that they hadn't since basically like back in the in the hurting days. Yeah, where they they just sat down, pulled out guitars, and just played together, and just sat down and wrote songs. Um, I also, I don't want this to sound negative, but I like the fact that Orzabal has given up some of the control. <laughs> um, I think I think that was kind of what's what started to do them is that I, I understand as a, as an artist he wanted to really capture his creativity but he lost what being part of a collective even a duo can bring yeah. a project. I think part of the problem is, is he's a really good songwriter. Yeah, he's he's very talented and he's like he, I don't think he likes the idea of being held back. Uh, even though I don't I do, I personally don't think Kurt Smith holds him back. I yeah. think that they they work really well together. And unfortunately, like some, at least in back in the in the day, I think in the '90s, I think it came with a little bit of arrogance that he, because he was he's so talented, yeah. That um, there was a little bit of this like, I can do this on my own, whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, uh, it's like whatever. I don't like. I just saw. I just read. I saw in some like interviews and stuff like that where. He, you know, uh, he was he was talking about like, well, you know, like the direction has been going that I've been writing the songs and performing them anyway. So it's like, yes, that's right. That's and right. so it's like, well, so, you know, this is just the natural direction of Tears for Fears. Um, and again, like, uh, and the, you know, the results aren't horrible. Like, the, like Elemental and Raul, I think, are great albums. But I think there's something there was something that that is missing when Kurt wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's really good to have to have him back and, and to kind of. You know, have them balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is this the final Tears for Fears album? Hard to say. Uh, if they uh, take as long between albums as they did, <laughs> then I guess it, it might be. It might be legitimate. Um, I would not be. I would not be upset if this was the last album because I think this would be a fantastic bookend. But by the same token, though, hey, at this point, I would love to see what else they put out. If they've got more, then I'm I'm up for it. And they know at this point too to not waste time trying to like collaborate with other bands and stuff like that. So or, that or, like, of, or like force or be forced to like do what the label says. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So so yeah. that was a, that was a lesson that they learned. On the plus side, we apparently got three amazing covers out of it, but it it ate up time. It ate up a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, you know, I think uh, you know sometimes breaks from making music is, is what you need oh, to get those you know those batteries recharged. And, and the guys, the guys are getting older too. There's a uh, Roland yeah, stops yeah. dyeing his hair. Uh, and uh and Wait, he embraced the gray he embra- yeah. boy did he ever he embraced that that snowy white yeah snowy white cap uh and you know what fine it's a good look for him and you know what em- embrace the aging and bring the aging factor into the music which is what they did they did yeah so yeah it, it, it feels it. it feels like an album written by guys who have 
who have um, experienced the world a little yeah. more. Yeah. I got to say, like, um, just in general, the uh, exploring the Tears for Fears discography has been really cool. Yes. It's been really, uh, really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I know I've liked them for a long time, um, but uh, just getting into the deeper stuff has been really cool. All those I mean, B-sides. I, oh my I, God. That, so and that good. B-sides collection, I would have never have listened to it otherwise. But, I mean, uh, oh, my Lord. Even the album, like, even um, The Seeds of Love, a great B-sides. Oh, yeah, so yeah. happy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and also, uh, you know, again, like, I... I I never felt a desire to like get into Raul and, or like everybody loves happy ending. I always had, I was kind of curious. I'm like, well, maybe yeah. one day, but to actually like get down and listen to it. I, it's like every, every album has got something worth listening to for sure. Definitely. And the fact that I've listened to songs from the big chair, the sheer amount that I have, mm-hmm. and I still want to keep listening. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I can't, I cannot oversell that album. I don't think. Uh, and honestly, like I, I feel like these guys have become like one of my favorites. Um, and through this through this process, I'm just like I'm floored with how much I like some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's do track recommendations, Captain. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure, sure. Okay. First of all, just in general, everybody, just listen to songs from the Big Chair. Okay. Yeah, sure. Just just just, just listen to it. But if you're gonna if you're gonna be picky, <laughs> <laughs> listen to Broken and Head Over Heels slash Broken Again. <laughs> Um, is that your first recommendation? My first recommendation, okay. the Broken Head Over Heels, uh, that that whole, like, s- two tracks, but three, but, yeah, like, uh, just just give it a spin. Um, because it just, those, the, the musical ideas carry from one to another, and and it's just solid songwriting, um, excellent guitar, guitar playing in Broken, and great vocal performances. Like, this, it's just, it's perfect, perfect music. Please listen to that. It was really hard to pick, pick favorites to, to pick it down to three, but I went to, next one. I went with Raul and the King of Spain. Okay. Or Kings. Kings. It's more than one Kings. Uh, more than one King. Uh, Raul and the Kings of Spain. Uh, it is. It's just. It's one of the ones that just every time I I I, I can't not think of Raul. <laughs> like the way he sings it. It's so memorable. It's uh, it's just a really great track that um, I think shows what the '90s Tears for Fears did very well. It has, uh, it has, it has. Uh, again, I want, I don't want to overuse it, but he does gravitas. It has emotion. It has feeling, and it's just like a really, yeah, just really good, very well written, uh, very accessible as well. Track, just, just good stuff, all in all. And I'm going to go with "Last Days on Earth" from "Everybody Loves a Happy Ending" because, again, I just feel like it's a super great finishing track. The two guys singing together so well. It's chill. It's like it's, it's just very like smooth it's a it's a side of them that i don't really hear too much in their catalog um it's a very feels like a very unique piece in the tear for fears puzzle yeah those are all great do it go listen do it steve <sighs> tricky but thank you for taking a couple off oh, uh, I, oh I, you, I took away a few of yours yeah which is good <laughs> okay uh i'm actually i think i'm gonna start with uh the single version of pale shelter Okay. Um, again, very Depeche Mode influenced. You can hear in it um, that this guitar is really scaled back. Instead, you get this really dark, uh, really dark synth work that comes in this this whole time. And then with the vocals, when Orzabal and, and Smith are, are trading off, um, it's much more raw. It's um, it's and the song ends a little more abruptly. Fantastic, fantastic song. Uh, Pale Shelter has been one of my favorite songs by the band for for ages. But the, that initial single, that's that extra raw energy 
to it and the more dark tones to it, I think really kind of exemplify what the song is going for. Mm. I think I'll also do The Way You Are, simply because like I remember when I first heard it, I was, I, it was, I'd never heard the song before. It was on the that best of a uh, compilation, Shouts, the very best of Tears for Fears. And it's got the the way it plays with the vocals with the high the ha oh and then um, a little bit of the world music coming in. And uh, yeah, and it's not as I understand entirely why it's not on on their albums, because it's the subject matter is a, is a little um, is a little lighter, it's a little light lighter weight to it. And uh, it's a it's a fun track and I've always I've always adored it. Okay, I'm gonna do the title track from Elemental um, because uh, you know you there there's a lot to choose from. Um, but honestly, I kind of had some preconceived notions uh, based on uh, what I'd heard from that that best of because I'd I'd heard uh, break it down again and uh, goodbye song. Those are okay, but they. Like, they were fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with those songs, and I like them well enough, but they weren't enough to hook me into the album. And so I had this preconceived notion in my head of uh, what the album was going to sound like, and it, it was worth my attention, and you brought it up, and I was just like, eh. And then that's that song. That song is so strong in lyrics, in music, and in tone. That's just like, I made a mistake, because this sounds really good. It's, it's so strong. Um, it's a great way to kick off that album, and it's uh, it actually, honestly... Um, it keeps you invested long enough into into hearing the rest of the album. So, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely love this song. Going through my head right now. Mm-hmm. What more can I say? Uh, but I think I'll also second Doug's opinion about listening to uh, songs from the big chair. Let's go listen to that album. Just like just just just, just, do, just it. do it. And you know, because it's not even a huge time commitment. No, no, it's it's brisk. Mm-hmm. But it, and but when you're done listening to it, you may want to listen to it again just because mm-hmm. you may want to. All right, <clears throat> you. One I was thinking about, uh, you can uh, veto it if you want to, because it's. Uh, but I was thinking Underworld. I have oh, one a... song by them called Two Months Off. Oh, it's a good from A Hundred Days Off. You bring light in. You bring light in. Okay. It's an idea, unless you have something else you want to. No. Okay. Cool. Well, let's, okay, let's do Underworld next time. I just. I was just looking. We don't have tons of you options left. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. I mean, my thought was maybe Urge Overkill, like. Oh, Why okay. not? I, 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 I don't even know how much of a discography they have. I actually don't know. Yes. So uh, what are we up to these days? Okay. So we'll try to put out, now that I've moved and uh, other stuff, we'll try to put out the episodes a little more frequently. So apologies yeah, for that, We folks. always hope so. Yeah. We, well, <laughs> a barring life, uh, we'll try to put out the episodes a, l- a little more frequently so you're not waiting, folks. And definitely to try to do it in studio because this just solves a lot of a lot of logistical issues. Uh, creates a couple, but solves a lot of other ones. <laughs> and uh, Sounds good. But what am I up to? Uh, I'm up to doing my radio show, Prog Rock Alley. And if you're like, oh, well, it's radio, so I, I have to be in town to listen to it. It's the age of the internet, folks. Yep. Co-op-radio.org or join the Facebook group, uh, Prog Rock Alley. Uh, I'm also on Mixcloud. If, if you're on Mixcloud, that's where I archive the episodes. So check us out there. That is almost kind of the reverse of this, this show. Because that is a music show. So it's the vast majority of his music. I average between five to seven minutes of myself actually talking. Yeah. Currently, what about you, sir? Still chipping away at the YouTubes. At the YouTubes. Uh, about to release a new uh, it's a continuation of a series. Uh, we're, we're at Beast Machines Monday. If you are into Transformers, because, uh, you know, we all we all love some nerdy stuff. I review a lot of the a lot of the shows, but I've covered all of Beast Wars, all of season one of the uh, OG Transformers show. 
Uh, in a show called Back to Iacon. And now we're diving into Beast Machines, the sequel to Beast Wars. So, and there's other stuff on the channel too, as well as my, uh, you know, my other podcast, uh, Checking the Gate. Well, the 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 deceased podcast, Checking the Gate. Are you still releasing any of those episodes? I'm putting them on. I put them on YouTube when I look at my output and be like, oh, I haven't released something in a while. I'll just throw on a podcast. So it's a, it's a stopgap release, and you know, just because I, it's the only place I can have to put the podcast right now. So. Until I resurrect it someday. Moving underscore pictures, pictures with a K, is uh, my YouTube channel. So I would love to see you there, where I talk about lots of things. Uh, mostly nostalgic TV shows, video games, and movies. Anything else, Captain? No, I think we're good. Okay, well then I'm going to close this out by saying... Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson. It's produced by me, Steve Ferguson. You can search us up online and check out our other works at stephengcferguson.com and moving underscore pictures that's with a k on youtube If you close your eyes Emotional vanity Emotional vanity